All those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything more. This episode of This Week in Marvel is brought to you by Loot Crate. <laughs> I'm just making faces. Yeah, we're having a good time, everybody. Yeah. Welcome to This Week in Marvel. This is episode number 293. Woo! Whoa. You got oh, a microphone. you got a microphone. Oh, Everything just you gave changed. yourself a microphone? I thought you said three. Oh, I, I did not. Okay. Oh. Hey, anyway, uh, this is This Week in Marvel, the official Marvel podcast. Well, news, new releases, and fun stuff happening at Marvel. Good times. As you heard, we're brought to you this week by Loot Crate. Go to lootcrate.com slash marvelpod and use the code marvelpod to save a percentage, some dollars, off your order. It's yeah. great. Uh, fun stuff. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But we're going to give you all kinds of stuff. I am Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Marvel Editorial Director of Digital Media, Ben Morse, mm-hmm. joined by... Editorial Intern, Nick Chacobino. And you know what? It's appropriate that he uh, has a microphone today, because this is his last episode. What? Yeah. This is it for old Nico. Flying the coop. Yep. Wow. He's done tomorrow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry. Didn't send the memo. We have a new intern coming? I hope so. No, okay. we do. We, <laughs> oh, okay, great. We always have a new intern great. coming. Fantastic. Yeah. You'll be yeah. missed. Um, I will. I promise. Oh. It has nothing to do with you. I will forget your name within the next couple weeks. Yeah, yeah I figured. Just, yep. You know, it's just I'm just being real here. That's very honest. I, I I like the honesty. Appreciate yeah. the honesty. But you've been good. We've yeah, enjoyed your done company. A wonderful job, Nick. Yes. Thanks. Very Nick. good. Um. So. Let's see, a little recap before we get into things. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, I am going to be gone. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do. Because <laughs> I am I am incapacitated Monday through Wednesday. I guess yeah. maybe I'll try to get Alex and we'll do this on Thursday. That's probably your that best That works. Bet. Next week, I am gone to E3. E3. Three, three, E3, which is the big video game expo in Los Angeles, California. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a lot of stuff yes. uh, potentially happening. We'll see. It has been said out there, it's true, that Spider-Man, PlayStation 4, mm. will be there. In what capacity, yes. what's Ooh. happening, we don't know. Well, I know. Well, I know we, everything. We know. Yeah, Ben and I are we, we know exactly 100% behind knowing what is happening. Yeah. Uh, because we need to for our jobs. Yeah. But... <laughs> Spider-Man will be there. Uh, I'm very excited for uh, Marvel Games and Insomniac and Sony to share that with you guys and yes. to experience all that. And whatever else shows up, we'll, we'll, we'll dig we'll in. We'll see, man. We'll see. It can, yeah. Anything can happen. It's E3. Yeah, all the E's, oh. all the threes. Three, all the th- three, three. Yes. Thank you, Nick. Yeah. God, going to uh, miss this guy so much. So much. And E3 is always just fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've gone a bunch of years now, and... You know, even when we only have little bits and pieces going mm-hmm. on, it's just still fun to experience. So cool. I'm going to be doing stuff uh, on social media. Yeah, you've got a very busy schedule. Yes. You're a big deal. Streaming. Uh, <laughs> we've got a uh, we've got all our social media channels. So I'll be myself and our brand new social media coordinator. Brand who, new. She just joined us in L.A. We should ask um, Christina Mark to have her on the podcast. We should. When we can. Good call. Uh, so her name is Jennifer Lai. Hello, she, Jennifer. Jennifer Welcome. just, just hey. joined us. Also, bye, I guess. That, <laughs> stop it. Just, just uh, stop. She's going to be helping me out with social, so we'll be doing stuff from 
any places, any cool Marvel stuff. We'll be also recording some podcast stuff yeah. uh, with Judy and Christine helping out with that stuff um, and shooting an episode of Thwip out there, plus some other stuff, which we haven't announced Speaking yet. Speaking of Thwip, yeah. can we talk about the episode that came out this sure. week? Sure. God, it was so good. Right? Yeah, man. It's uh, it's so probably my favorite episode of Thwip ever. Mine too. Yeah. I've got like our chief counsel and... You know, uh, vice, you know, executive vice presidents and random people come up to me and like talking about the episode because mm-hmm. I shared it with a large group of executives and it was funny to, to see their reactions. But yeah, uh, it's the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout episode. Uh, and at the five minute mark, the ride video begins. It was a bunch of us in the in the um, attraction and they put a camera on it. And it's mostly me screaming my it's head amazing. off. It's amazing. I got to see that footage. It yeah. was yeah. It's great. And it's genuine terror. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's yeah. real. That was how I felt. <laughs> Your fear was very entertaining. Yes. Great. I'm happy to do to, to bring that. Yeah. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Yep. Um, and there's, you know, there's cool episodes of Thwip coming up. Lots of fun stuff. I'm trying to think of what else. We're also going. Eh, I don't want to talk about that yet. Yeah. Don't talk about it. But yeah. Keep it to yourself. I'm keeping it in the pocket. Let's talk about some comics. How's that sound? I like it. All right. Let's start with Avengers number eight, written by Mark Wade and Jeremy Whitley, art by Phil Noto. This features the return of Avenger X from the Avenger, uh, I don't know, point one books? It was, yeah. It was, whatever, uh, yeah. whatever it was called. <laughs> the ones that focused on, it was the Mark Wade Barry Kitson series that focused on the uh, Caps Cookie Quartet. Avenger X comes back. Originally, they don't know that she's bad news, but Vision very quickly informs them that she is. God, Phil Noto's art is so good. He is so amazing. And I just love seeing him draw superheroes. It's a lot of fun. And uh, he, he, does, he does it all. He does uh, pencils, inks, colors, and it looks gorgeous. So we've got the Avengers fighting Avenger X, Cassandra. I believe that is her name. Yeah, Cassandra Avenger X. Um, we have her kind of tricking them and playing mind games and Spider-Man getting suckered in. Captain America, it's a one-by-one kind of like uh, one-by-one the dominoes fall as she just keeps taking them all on. Wasp is the sole survivor. Wasp gets into a good fight with her. And the deal with Avenger X is she basically absorbs the powers of anyone she comes into contact with. She's like rogue. She absorbs the powers and like sucks away their life energy yeah and gross. so they turn into like these gross husks it's gross uh it's super gross it's similar in, in a little bit of a sense to uh in executioner song mm, famine famine what she does she to beast. desiccates him mm-hmm. De- she's desiccated the beast Whoa. executioner song we'll be getting back to it in a couple weeks <laughs> uh yeah but nadia calls in a favor and in infamous iron man shows up dr doom uh this cool relationship with wasp and dr doom continues doom comes in and just wrecks shop the dialogue mark wade writes a great dr doom and he writes not only a great villainous dr doom but a great heroic dr doom yeah. as well um and he really he uh he takes a gamble actually wasp takes a major gamble uh does something very dangerous mm-hmm. to try to take out avenger x she is amazing she's the best Loved seeing Double the Wasp this week because we had Unstoppable yeah. Wasp coming up later. And at the end here, it's kind of kind of cool. The the exchange between Doom and Nadia, their, uh, their relationship remains open. I think there'll be more with these guys to come later on. I really like their dynamic. I like that Nadia 
kind of brings out the good in Doom. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a good guy right now anyways, but she like just there's something about her and her innate goodness and her positivity, positivity and her yeah, enthusiasm and her optimism that brings out the best in Doom. Mm-hmm. I like seeing these two together. Hopefully haven't seen the last of those two together. Yeah. All right, on to Champions number nine, uh, written by Mark Wade, art by that guy um- again. Yeah, art by Umberto Ramos, inks by Victor Olazaba, and colors by Edgar Delgado. Um, it starts off in San Diego, California. San Diego, with a uh, just this woman leaving a little note, and it's a it's a cool little prelude. And you're like, I don't mm-hmm. know, I don't know what this is about. Yeah, what's this? What's going uh-huh. on? Um, and then boom, we get to see the champions. They're just hanging out, yep. you know, just watching watching some television. Um, There's an allusion to what show they're watching, and I had no idea what it was. Secret tunnel, secret tunnel through the mountain. What is it? It's Avatar: The Last Airbender. Okay. The, so the cartoon, I guess? Yes. yes. Okay. Oh. Damn it, Nick. Damn it, Nick. Well, I got excited. Yeah, yeah sorry. too excited. Uh, <laughs> really that's, excited. A, that's a show I've not seen. So. I've not uh, seen go see it. Show. Go I've, see it. It's a great show. show. I'm like 32 episodes into One Piece out yep. of 780 okay. episodes. Oh. So you got some time. Yep. I'll, yep. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> yep. Um, anyway, so they're watching Avatar. The Last Airbender. Uh-huh. And talking about Not Avatar the... Blue people movie. No, yeah. no, Not to different. be confused. Mm-hmm. They're talking about different things in their life, and then it, it touches upon Viv Vision mm-hmm. and, you know, sort of her recollection. And you're reminded that she has really only been around for – she was created one year ago. Yeah. Um, so she's more advanced mature-wise, but she's still relatively new to the world. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she takes it upon herself to go to San Diego. She wants to confront the freelancers, see what they're doing, what they're all about. Because um, we cannot go a week without the freelancers which at is least great. being mentioned. Yeah. The New character yeah. team of awesome. find of, of 2017. Fantastic. They're the best. Um, but she wants to go to San Diego. She wants to learn about them, see what they're up to, get inside, like, figuring out why they're such awful jerks. Yeah. Essentially. And there's this great moment where she has, like, changed her appearance to fly, which I don't know how she got through the airport. She's metal, right? Like, wouldn't a metal yeah. detector be like, it's a good point. Hey, lady, yeah. I'm a metal detector. Yeah. Um, so we'll You've see. heard a metal detector talk before, Nick. That's what it sounds yeah, like. That's, that's, what, that's, that's exactly what it sounds don't like. Don't act shocked. Yeah. Uh, but then she takes a cab, and there's this great interaction where uh, she switches back to her, like, regular form of the cab, and the cab driver's like, ah! <laughs> um, uh, sh- there's there's a really funny there's a funny bit about her appearance. Oh uh, yeah, she's like I assume that in these times of heightened security, my fellow passengers need not be alarmed by my presence because she's never flown uh, commercially before. And the cab driver, he's like, you made the right call. And yeah. they have this nice little interaction. He's like, the comic convention isn't until July. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I I this feels like even just that interaction and genuine. Like, the, the there it feels right. genuine and familiar, uh, but then boom! On top of the cab lands uh, this this young lady in a superhero outfit. We find out her name is Red Locust. Red Locust. Ooh. Yeah, she's got this cool like locust esque look, but it's like the cybernetic you know outfit, and she gets to do all these cool acrobatic things. She's super tough. She's awesome and very young, very enthusiastic. She's running after a dude. And it ties into the beginning of the story with the prelude. Uh, but, you know, there's a deeper thing going on here. And there's the, she's on this case. Uh, and she teams up with Viv Vision, which is cool. We get to see them have a team up. You see Red Locust in action. She's a brand new character. Yeah, brand new. 
Uh, she's here. You know, they're, they're trying to save some people, right some wrongs, do some good stuff. You'll, you'll get into it when you read the story. Uh, but Red Locust is awesome. And she, she actually, like, helps the cab driver because she, she messed up his cab. Mm-hmm. But she helped the cab driver in a way that isn't completely legal, mm-hmm. but it's okay. <laughs> Viv is like, all right, what's your deal? Let's talk. We get this cool little story, like, who Love is it. the Red Locust? Yeah, nice little backup story. Yeah, a, a backup story by the same team, uh, basically where... Uh, her name is Fernanda Ramirez, and she gives um, she gives Viv like her origin, which is cool. We get to see like there's history to this character. There's this cool idea and who she is, and uh, Viv is like you know the champions are like it's not just us. We have our core team. Right. It's but, not a strict roster. Yeah, um, but she's like you know you're a force for good. We're, we're gonna keep you in mind. Um, right now, I want to go see my family. I want to go see yeah. my dad. Yeah, uh, it was really just sweet. a really Aww. sweet story. It was really cool. Great introduction to a character. And then at the back, we also in the the letters page, we get a little more info from Alana Smith, who's the editor, the assistant editor here, saying they wanted to bring in a Mexican character for the issue. So they reached out to Mexican artist Humberto Ramos mm-hmm. to design a character who felt right to him, and he came up with Red Locust. There and go. there's like you know, her, the design that Umberto did and like little touches that he put in there and why he made it. And it's just, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's cool stuff. It's cool. It's a cool new character. Uh, Champions is proving to be fertile ground for new characters. Uh, the freelancers for Red Locust and they're building a nice little world there. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Also love Black Bolt number two written by Saladin Ahmed. Uh, art by Christian Ward. Just sick crazy art uh, you snatched this up before i even had a chance i know it's so good <laughs> job all right yeah I, it, it was def- that's what definitely hap- gonna that's be what happens when you go to the bathroom um <laughs> so we've got <laughs> so we've got black bolt in this prison and it's super creepy they basically the warden here the jailer uh kills people and then brings them back he has that ability and for some lesser prisoners they just stay dead but for someone like a black bolt or an absorbing man they can just kill them over and over again because they're powerful enough they come back Black Bolt doesn't have his powers. Um, he's got this this young lady named Blinky who's reading him ar- leading him around, brings him back over to uh, Absorbing Man and also this old villain, the Metal Master, who's a uh, long, long pull from, I think, the Silver Age of uh, Marvel Comics, an existing character. I was hoping he, you were yeah. going to yeah, 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 yeah. illuminate <laughs> yeah. that a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I think he was in Hulk, I want to say, like way back in the day. Um, sure. Just look, just... Pay attention to all the backgrounds Christian Ward puts in as he's taking us kind of on a tour of this prison. As all the characters are talking, you just get these great, like, honeycomb designs and these weird things on the wall. Uh, Black Bolt finally, he, at first he's whispering because he's like, ah, you know, he's just so, he's used to it. But, but, like, the thing is, he whispers, but, like, even if he whispers, yeah, if he had destroy powers, everything, he would mess up yeah. everything. But eventually, Black Bolt realizes he can talk. He talks to these guys. This super creepy character, um, Spider, spelled with a Y, yeah, uh, shows up, comes out of the honeycomb, and he's got this box that shoots this gross thing that envelops Absorbing Man's head. Black Bolt fights Spider, gets Absorbing Man free, and we get a little bit of kind of the hierarchy of the prison, how it all works. Black Bolt gets put into a gladiatorial arena against this scroll warrior. The art is just incredible. It's awesome. There's this audience of, like, blank faces that once Black Bolt gets the uh, drop on the scroll, 
they are going executor, executor, and he doesn't want to do it. Black Bolt makes allies with the Skrull and with Absorbing Man. Well, he also, uh, he he doesn't want to do it, so he gets killed. Yeah. And brought back, but yeah. he gets killed. Yeah, he dies again. Because, uh, you know. And it's, it's a horrible way to go. He oh, suffocates yeah. when, under the uh, right. thing that Spider shoots out. But I just love this crazy group of characters that Saladin is introducing and assembling. They already feel really realized. Like oh, yeah. I feel like I know, like Metal Master, I kind of, a, I, I think I know from way back in the day, but I've never read any of his appearances. He gets really fleshed out. Blinky is great. This good, like, kind of, you know, more innocent character. This Skrull character, Rava, gets introduced, and I think she's awesome right she's away. Dope. She's great. She's great. She talks about like the struggles she's gone through, uh, losing her children. Oh, yeah, that was really that was rough. brutal. Like yeah. her story, Oof. rough stuff. Uh, but most importantly, Absorbing Man. Like Absorbing I Man, think is fantastic. More work done on Absorbing Man and who he is and mm-hmm. his character in these handful of you know pages that he's been in in these two issues. Then I can remember like most of his history. Absorbing man, I, I agree with you. He's he's getting really done, and I'm I'm glad you know Saladin Ahmed said this is a character that's worth doing. But he's always had that kind of bend to him, where whether it's his relationship with Titania or just his general arc, that he is a villain. He likes doing bad things, but he's not the worst guy in the world. And Saladin Ahmed really picks that up here. He goes, you know, just because he's uh, he's he's a bad guy. Doesn't mean he's not, you know, he has some moral decency. He protects Blinky. Um, he is willing to work with Black Bolt. He respects Black Bolt because Black Bolt didn't try to kill him. He has a great line. Um, Let me show you something. I still got all my teeth. You notice that? And talks about how, what an accomplishment that is because he fights Thor and he fights all these superheroes. He's like, I used to be a boxer, but I still got all my teeth. That was just a great yeah, line. Cool. The writing in this is just so tight. And so just wonderful. And so they, Wait, did did you go past my favorite panel? I am pretty sure I didn't. If it's the one about Blackagar Baltagon, no, is there a that's different, my second is there another one. panel. There's yeah, there's another panel. That it's an absorbent man it. talking. Um, it's I think it's earlier in the issue, okay. a little bit um, where he's talking and talking about his powers and, mm-hmm. and some other stuff. Oh, it's the. Yeah, yeah, that one right there. Yeah, but I once used magical cow- powers given to me by a god to turn myself into a pile of cocaine. I can handle crazy. Yes, <laughs> like that. That to me is part of the tone of this book. Yeah, like it is wild, it is bonkers, but we're on. Yeah, this is the ride that we're into. Yeah, really. There's great. also some. There's there's a little humor to it. When I love that Black Bolt, solemn, heroic, just goes. Blackagar Boltagon stands with you. Yeah, he's like yeah, <laughs> and then Absorbing Man just goes. Is that really your name? Blackagar Baltagon? And your superhero name is Black Bolt? And then he just starts cracking up hilarious. So good. Oh, man. And um, these this this trio of Rava, Absorbing Man, and Black Bolt decide they're going to do a little prison break action. So yeah. that's what we're going to see next issue. Just incredible writing, really great character building work. The art is phenomenal. It just flows beautifully. Great book. Hell yeah, another great book, Hawkeye, number seven, Mm. written by Kelly Thompson, art by Leonardo Romero, colors by Jordi Belair. Leonardo Romero has been good on this book to date, but I think this is his finest issue. He really picks it up here. So I was talking about this issue with Nick Lowe. We were in a cab. Uh, We we were 
going to a video shoot. Mm-hmm. He and I, we did a little back, behind the scenes thing yep, for something. Did a music video. Um, and we were stuck in traffic, and we were just. He's like, "What books just are you reading?" Right by that. Uh, not gonna. Yeah, not gonna, yeah. yeah. You know, no, the music video. Joke. Well, people will get it. Yeah, all right. Uh, but you know, we were talking about books we're reading, and I was like, you know, it's hard for me to remember what my favorite books are. Just because we read so read many, so, so many. it's like, what is, what was most recent that I read? I talked about Darth Vader, which we'll get to later, but I also talked about Hawkeye and how great it is. And the two of us were like, Leonardo Romero is ridiculous, mm-hmm. and he's so young, mm. dude. Is, really, he's really young. I met him. He's a sweetheart. I met him when I was in Brazil okay. uh, last year. He's very young and incredibly talented, mm-hmm. and he's got a good head on his shoulders. And when you pair, when you combine his art with Jordy's colors and Kelly's writing like this is the book you get and it's phenomenal Mm -hmm. Um, Kelly just crushes it when it comes to like laying out who Kate is not just who Kate Bishop is currently yeah uh, but we get a ton of her backstory background you know the 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 building of Kate Bishop how she became this person how she became this hero more of her family life but I love the way Kelly teases it out Mm-hmm. How we get little snippets, but you're always left wanting more. We don't get the full story. Yep. I, I, I think her pacing is great. Yes. And um, when we were getting little bits and pieces of the story, it's also spread out in over parts of this issue and in different periods of Kate's younger life. So we're seeing her as a really little kid hanging out with her mom and, you know, various as she grows older and different situations and stuff with her mom and then her dad. And then like it gets really intense and it does flow right into the way the story is going. But I also got to say, because you have Jordi Belair on it, there's this other element to telling these flashback stories and the use of the purple as the only color in there and how it's used because you could just say sure let's use purple throughout but it's it's a smart use of purple and it's different shades within this and it's so phenomenal uh kate she got this little box that was left for her she's been through all kinds of stuff now that she's been in la already and um uh the um uh going through she's she's like all right this box is basically Madame Mask saying, hey, come here. I've got, yeah, you know, let's talk. And it's she's got uh, this pendant, and that ties into the flashbacks with her mom and all this other stuff. And so Kate's like, obviously it's a trap, but I have to go. Gots to go. What am I going to do? Yeah. There's great. She gets to this, this giant building. There's this wonderful one page that is, like, if I had to give a single page to anyone for this book it could be this one page right. of kate walking into the lobby of this office building talking to uh the security guy at the desk her interaction with him it's just so like from the facial expressions to the dialogue to the actions it's so good uh and then you see she's getting ready she's gonna go she's like <clears throat> all right that's how it's gonna be more of this you know this game bring it Doors, uh, doors would open in the next scene, but we do another flashback. Her at camp, dealing with her mom, dealing with her dad. When the doors open in the present day, we see boom. There are like thirty thugs, all suited up and ready to fight. They've got guns. They've got weapons. They've got fun, you know, punches and uh, all kinds. Of, I don't know what I was getting, fun punches. Fun- funyuns. Yeah, they I thought had, you were gonna say funyuns. They had bags of funyuns. Made bags. sense to me. Bags and bags of funyuns. Just throwing funyuns at Kate. We get Kate's Hawkeye vision, where so she's seeing all the different things. And the great part of like that is, so Kelly and Leonardo put this, and Jordy put this, you know, like Hawkeye vision out in front of her, and it pays off in the rest yeah. of this fight. Love it in really great ways. I think that's the first time I've done that too. 
it might have like yeah. it, it's just a really fun smart strategic way of telling the story and the the fight starts um and there's like this one page of awesome you know battling arrows flying then you open up to this two this splash page just kind of a splash page two page spread of um hawkeye fighting and going through the motions now the way leonardo draws kate it's her throughout the page going from panel to panel multiples of her in every interaction is she's beating the crap out of all these idiot dudes and it's fantastic until she she does get knocked down but there's still a great like she's kate bishop she's not you know gonna be knocked down forever uh and another element that i love is she's running she's just beaten up everyone um and like another callback to the beginning of that fight she's you know utilizing some elements that she left there but then there's just the groaning from the dude she all she's already beaten up and she's like i hate one guy's like i hate this girl so much (laughs) another one's like at least we've got health insurance and he's like not worth it and the third guy's like yeah no way Mm -hmm. it's just funny kelly writes such a funny smart story Mm -hmm. and then boom you're hit with this like emotional moment right at the end totally oh i Friggin' love this book. Good stuff, man. Hawkeye was really on point this week. Also on point this week, we got Rocket Number 2, written by Mr. Al Ewing, art by Adam Gorham. We start uh, with Rocket on trial. They're still doing this kind of cool conceit. They started last issue, which I like, where they have kind of the the prose, like a prose format almost, where there's a narrator... Um, there's a narrator talking and doing uh, little things like that. Rocket's there in a suit. He's on trial. Why is he on trial? We flash back. He did a pull the heist with the tech net. They meet up with the other half of the tech net. I love how Al uses the tech net's crazy powers just beautifully and shows you all the different crazy things they can do. Uh, Rocket does manage to get the thing he needed to steal, but the tech net, uh, Gatecrasher in particular, pulls a little howdy-do. And then uh, gets the rest of the TechNet back on her side. Now it's Rocket against all the TechNet. I'm seeing how many times I can say TechNet. 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 Um, and I love Gatecrasher says, ready this pultritudinous pest for arrest. And um, Rocket says, pultritudinous? Hey, you're not so bad yourself. Anyways, <laughs> just a fun little heist thing. And then the funniest part of this whole issue is uh, Frogert Froggy Frelson. Who is Rocket's I, lawyer? This is this was amazing. <laughs> this was right? the like the turning point for me. Like, <laughs> this, this was best. like it clicked. This is where it all clicked. All right, Rocket gets captured by uh, the authorities, gets thrown into prison for pulling off this heist. That's where we go full circle. We're back at the trial. He's being represented by Frogert Froggy Frelson and his partner Murd Blurdock, the best defense attorney in this <laughs> or any other system. Murd Blurdock. What are those odd growths on his face? Scars from his personal tragedy. He was struck by radioactive originium as a child and lost his echo senses forever. Echo senses being the way that uh, these frog aliens basically why they're such good lawyers uh, but he's still a great lawyer supernaturally good almost as if he can tell the expressions on a jury's faces through some unknown visual sense but that's crazy talk the only echomillion with that ability is the violent vigilante known as seen being the sentient without self-preservation <laughs> and he just keeps going the trial goes on uh this frog dresses electra shows up with a sign saying come fight ninjas and murd murd blurdock just runs out of there suddenly froggy froggy frelson or whatever the F his name is. Um, it's it's all great, man. Then Rocket sees that 
the race of people, these like otters that he was stealing the tech for to try to get them something, some good deals on their home planet, they're his jury. So he's like, great, no problem. I've got the jury on my side. I'm going to represent myself. And then it turns out Rocket was hired by the bad guys. Dun, dun, and dun. everyone hates him and they're all pissed. There's like three different stories in this issue. Oh, God, it's so good. It was really good. It was, it was, it was excellent. I, I didn't love the first issue as much as I wanted to because I adore everything Al does yeah. so much. Such a sweet man. He is. And then, like, this issue was, like, growing and growing and growing. And yeah. once you get to that court scene, I was like, I'm in. Yeah. 1,000%. You've got me, Al yes. Ewing. You You've did got it. me. You did it. You British yep. wonderful man, you. Um, all right. Also, I'm glad you picked this one. I like this one yeah. a lot. Uh, next pick for me is Jessica Jones, yes. number nine. Reminder, parental advisory, not yeah, for the children. Yeah, not for kids. There's there, a naked there, butt in here. There are scenes <laughs> in here. Yeah. yeah. There, there's cussing and butt. There's also Jessica Jones making fun of Sharon Carter's hair. Oh, man. I thought that was a little, it was a shade too far. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> Cross hey, the line. Yeah. Do you know, like. That happens. Leave yeah. her alone. Let her be. Yeah, let her be. She's uh, an older lady. She's trying to keep things tight, you know? But so Jessica has been hired by Maria Hill. Mm-hmm. and uh, We're just signaling keep it tight. Don't yeah. worry. We're not doing anything okay. to worry about. Uh, Jessica's been hired by Maria Hill. There's been all this wild stuff. Sharon Carter and S.H.I.E.L.D. are like, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you getting involved in? Hey, what's your deal? And Jessica's like. Uh, Sharon Carter there. What's that? Good sharing card. Thanks. Uh, and, <laughs> Spot on. You know, like Jessica's <laughs> trying to get her way out of it, and she's fine. And like, meh, you know, maybe she'll she'll like be able to get out of it. And then she makes fun of Sharon Carter's hair one Does more it. time. Yep. Boom. Can't resist. But that's Jessica. Yeah. That's Jay Jones. Yeah. And then she's tossed into Rikers. Uh, there's really great stuff in here. Like, this is one of the reasons why I love this book uh, is just the dialogue uh-huh. and the the. The talking, yeah, the talking. I mean, that's Bendis. That's that's and his it, yeah. Forte. Of, why we loved Alias way yeah. back when. Uh, and it's Jessica. She's in this cell. She's having a poop. You know, she's doing her business in the cell, listening to the idiots outside her cell, the guards, thinking about all the stuff that's going on. You know, she's frustrated. And then they throw in Typhoid Mary. Hello, uh, Typhoid Mary is a serial murderer I and superpowered psychopath. Way, I'm sorry. I love the way Michael Gatos draws. Oh yeah, Typhoid Mary just with this insane grin on her face with the the hair all crazy and uh, i love it i yeah. love it love yeah it. yeah uh, typhoid like jessica jones is still on the turlet yeah and typhoid mary crawls up to her yeah, and she says, says she can stand guard while i poop yeah yeah she says something that i'm not going to repeat because it's in the book you'll yeah. have to read it to see it not if you're a kid yeah don't and then, do it. Uh, which just pisses Jessica Jones off, and it's just this great bunch of scenes. And uh, you reminded that Jessica is very strong. Yeah, very strong. Uh, very capable. Uh, luckily for her, she also has a friend in Matt Murdock who comes in to help her out. Not to be confused with Murd Blurdock. Not Murd Blurdock. No, unfortunately, he only made one appearance this week. <laughs> yeah, uh, but then we get to see like the moment that I think many of us have been waiting for. Uh, the sort of come together moment between together. Uh, Jessica, Luke, and Danielle, Danny Cage, the baby, and which leads to just some of the best, sweetest scenes like of a family dealing with their crap and dealing with the situation. You know what's a unique skill that Brian Michael Bendis has? Mm. He writes a great baby. Danny Cage is just so... <laughs> well, he has like, many children. Yeah, that does make sense. Yes. He's, he's, got, he's got a lot of experience. They're beautiful um, children. Yeah, beautiful children. Yep. But um, I I don't know. There's just something about Danny. I remember 
a couple issues ago when she like made them sit together on the bed and like mm-hmm. play together. It's just great. Yeah. And I, this Luke and Jessica stuff is, I'll let you talk about it, but it's my favorite part of the whole issue. Yeah, mine too, 100%. Uh, the Luke and Jessica stuff, they're having conversations. They're trying to heal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Feels like a very on. real relationship. Yes. And then there's a naked butt and a shower scene and some Ugh. cuddling and caressing and... You know, Michael Gatos, you got the stuff, man. Who knows what happened after that? And then more of them just talking. Yeah. And it's great. It's fantastic stuff. Um, unfortunately, Jessica has to get back to work. She has a case. She has stuff that she's working on. Uh, she visits Raindrop, who is this great mm. new character. Yep. And, like, leads, she has something, a note for Jessica Jones. And Raindrop's like, I don't want to be involved in this at all. Like, yeah. if you, you did not out. get this from me, keep me out of it, which leads, like, a great cliffhanger leaving us off this issue. Uh, friggin' great book. You want to talk some Darth Vader? Yeah. Let's Darth Vader, Darth Vader. Yeah. does whatever a Vader can. So, of course, we had the great Darth Vader series by Karen Gillan and uh, Salvador La Roca yes. that was set uh, after the events of Episode Four. Yes. This Darth Vader series, written by Charles Soule, drawn by Giuseppe Akemuncoli, uh, picks up following the uh, events of episode three. Yes. So there's... Are you proud of me? I'm yeah. really getting this You're Star Wars stuff down. Crushing I am it. a Star Wars savant. Yes. Uh, a Trekkie, as they call them. Uh, yes. Thank you. A, tre- um, a Trekker. Yes. Uh, so you have about 20-odd years of time between the end of episode three and the beginning of episode four. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot, a lot of material of to, to mine. A lot yeah. of ground to cover. Uh, and that's where this is set. And it's this literally opens up in those Bam. closing moments of episode Revenge of the three. Sith yep. as Vader has just, you know, he's just been, quote-unquote, reborn. Vaderized? Yes. He's in his new cybernetic Would armor. Would you say it's Vader time? It's time. Were we just doing this? We were just doing it. Yeah. Uh, Did you just throw up the V? I just nice. threw up the V. Uh, oh, fantastic. Yeah, wrestling. Um, so, <laughs> that was our wrestling talk for yeah. this week. Darth Vader in his new armor, his yeah. life support system, and the Emperor goading him on. And we only got a little snippet of that. He, yeah. like, rages out, and you have that, no, that many mm-hmm. people, like, memed and years. mocked and stuff. But it's it's a very emotional moment, and that's how we start this book. And Charles and Giuseppe... Start it off, and they just take it and run. It's yep. it, it's it's awesome. You get this pain, this anguish that uh, Vader is going through, and the Emperor. Just Giuseppe is so good at drawing maniacal evil people. I gotta say, I'm I was so used to Giuseppe drawing Spider Man. Yeah, he did it for so many years that seeing him draw Darth Vader uh, and the Emperor and all the stuff that he does here just like blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, this guy is really good. Cause I, he gotten, I don't want to say he got in a comfort zone on Spider-Man, but I got used to seeing him draw the same characters month after month. And I was just like, oh wow, he's, you know, he's really good at this, but he, he had shows, he shows me stuff in this issue that I did not have not seen from him before. Yes. And that was really cool. I love his Darth Vader. Oh, yeah. He just looks so freaking cool. He just like he looks like the guy you want to get the action figure. Of. Yeah. Looks uh, amazing. Who did the colors on this? Yeah, so shout out to great. Cam Smith, who's the inker, sure. who helps flesh out all the stuff that we're talking about, and David Curiel oh. on the colors, who does a great job. Amazing job on the colors. Yes. Just the just the different black washes with whites on Vader, uh, the way Right here that you're showing where they use the force. Yeah, you see um, the force lightning, and it's it's just it's bright and it's terrifying. Um, then this stuff about the lightsaber. Well, yeah, well we'll get to the lightsaber I'm sorry, stuff. I'm sorry, but mea culpa. Yeah, but the like these scenes of Vader and the Emperor. Um, 
just like the the emperor is is basically torturing Vader into becoming the Sith he needs him to be. Yeah. He needs him to be this evil like callous instrument of doom and he's yes. not quite there yet. He yes. needs him to do a, a couple more steps. Yes, you and uh, the emperor have very similar management styles. 100%. <laughs> um what, That's where he got it from. Talking about uh <laughs> Giuseppe's Vader, he's also like the way Giuseppe draws people, they're a little bit more lithe. They're a little like yeah, they're, th- they're thin. thinner, yeah, for sure. taller, and I think that works really well. He has a cool presence here, and like you know, the Vader, uh, the Emperor, his arm is longer, and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. But talking about the lightsabers, this is awesome stuff. And you know, one of the extra cool things about all this is that this our Star Wars books, they are all in continuity, in continuity. like actual blessed by Lucasfilm because we yeah. have the Lucasfilm story group and creative people working with our creators and editors. So, you know, you have them blessing all this stuff. So there's this really cool mythology and story that they are telling about why the Sith have red lightsabers. Yeah. Because they do. This is something we've never... I Maybe it's been okay. established elsewhere. I don't know. I've never heard this before. So I, I was captivated yeah, by me this. Me too. This was what fascinated me. Yeah. And so we're, we're reminded that this is the early days of the Empire, right? The, the, the They are saving the galaxy from the Jedi Scourge. Mm-hmm. So there's this awful scene where the stormtroopers and, and this uh, em- Galactic Emperor representative, they are taking all... All of these lightsabers they've taken from the killed Jedi that have right. happened because of Order 66 and all this other stuff. And they, they've got all these lightsabers and they throw them into a furnace and they set them on fire. Uh, and, the, you know, the uh, the Emperor is essentially telling Vader, you know, a saber is not something you're given and mm-hmm. put together like a Jedi. Oh, no, 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 no. You take your lightsaber. And it tells them about the color of the 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 saber, um, there's uh, the empire. Emperor is like through the dark side. You must pour your pain into the crystal, into the the kyber crystals. Okay. I, I believe they're they might be called yeah. The, no, they're kyber. Crystals. Yeah, the kyber crystals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Me and Nick both confirm. Yep, you pour your pain into the crystal, and when at last the agony becomes more than it can stand, it becomes. A beautiful crimson because the kyber crystals are have a sort of life to them yeah um and so that's what helps the the lightsabers become these weapons that they are but the sith torture this living kind of crystal yeah until it 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 bleeds and it turns red and it is as hate-filled as they are mm-hmm. and that is so messed up and twisted so messed up. damn um <laughs> uh, but this is really this is this is the quest for Vader, at least in the beginning, this arc. Uh, we're starting out to see him. He needs to get his lightsaber. And the Emperor is like, yeah, you know, we're going to go to this planet. We got you a ship. You go take care of this. You do your thing. You become the Sith that we need you to be. Um, uh, but, unfortunately, somebody stole Vader's ride. Who steals his, his ship? Uh, and the Emperor <laughs> is great. Like, Charles writing, uh, like, you could tell... Charles is having a feast with yeah. the Emperor. I, he, Writing he, that dialogue, so much fun. I think we've done some interviews with Charles leading up to the launch of Darth Vader uh-huh. where he talked about how much he likes writing the Emperor and how he thinks there's so much just there that has been untouched oh, yeah. before. Because the Emperor, I mean, he's great. He just he I, chews scenery like nobody's business. Palpatine through those first, the episodes one through three, yep. are 
he's like my favorite character and that agree. that progression and how malevolent he is yeah. and like the his arc oh so good his just his manipulation abilities yeah. the way he can just play Anakin like he's oh. a puppet on a like string. a fiddle like a fiddle like the a proverbial fiddle fiddle is that, there we go all right you need to get him uh, but there's this line from the Emperor in here uh, the, uh he's just said oh we we you know I brought a vessel for you here but it appears to have been stolen ah this lawless galaxy truly it cries out for your guidance mm. um and it's like he's basically like you know, your power will become endless, Lord Vader, and then we shall rule as one, leaving him on this planet. Go take care of business. I'll see you when you're when you've you know had your your little quest done. And then it's we get the first signs of Vader becoming that nightmare force that we love, right. and him taking it, going to get his his ship from these people who have stolen it, who think that they you know they got this great ship, and it's just violent and brutal and just deadly, and it's gonna be freaking great. Yep. So that's. The first story. The There's first a second story. story. There's two stories. Yeah. Second story in this issue is called No Good Deed. It's by Chris Eliopoulos and Jordi Belair. And it is a droid story. It's one of those, the mouse droids. I don't remember their exact des- designation, but they're a mouse droid. A little beep-boo, And it's one who is helping Vader get his meditation chamber ready. And it's really the story is about Vader dealing with the ineptitude of the people in the Empire around him. They go through a lot of folks. Yep. Like... Their their middle management system, like they just churn. There's so much churn. A lot of turnaround right there. A lot of opportunity out yeah. there to work but for the empire. This, there's a story. Of this no little job mouse security. <laughs> there's a story. Of this little mouse droid, and it's great. And the story is wonderful. It's funny and it's sad, it uh, sad. but it's great. Really, really good. I loved this issue, and I I cheated by putting okay. this as the one we would both talk. You're about. allowed to cheat. Yeah. You're allowed to cheat. All right, let's get some quick hits in, talk about the other stuff that came out this week, starting with All New Guardians of the Galaxy number three. It's written by Jerry Duggan, guest art by Fraser Irving. It focuses on Gamora. She is in what looks like a dream state uh, where she encounters this mysterious old woman who leads her through what we eventually, well, I'm not going to say what we find it out to be because I think the twist is really nice. It's great. But she does encounter Adam Warlock fighting the Magus, Magus. Probably Magus. I like Magus. I know you do. <laughs> um, and also uh, Quasar, Philavel fighting Martyr. Uh, just beautiful art by Fraser Irving depicting these battles and this craziness. Uh, Gamora coming to grips with where she is and who she's dealing with. She finds out who the old woman is. It's a great revelation. Uh, and then she wakes up back on the Guardian ship and basically has a mission that... Uh, Rocket and Groot are not too fond that she's going to be doing, but she's going to take it on. Yeah. All right. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 28, written by Dan Slott, art by Stuart Eminen, Wade Von Graubadger, Marte Gracia, and Andres Mosa. Uh, Killer art throughout, of course. That's a great team. Yeah, Dan still doing such great Spider-Man work. Uh, Spider-Man is in uh, Simcaria with Mockingbird and Silver Silver Sable Sable and her new Wild Pack-ish crew. Uh, no, the they pack. are the wild pack. Great. Flat out wild pack. Uh, Mockingbird has basically severed her ties to S.H.I.E.L.D. by helping out Spider-Man and getting involved in an international incident. Um, but they are doing this for the greater good because Norman Osborn is there with this uh, this Countess, Countess Karkov Ugh. in Simcaria. And great they, new villain. Yeah, she's, I dig she's her. dope. Yeah, she's, uh, she's an awesome, you know, like, swordswoman. Uh, she stands toe-to-toe with Silver Sable. She's badass. Uh, but they want to... 
turn all of Simcaria into these goblin warriors. And so you get this great knockdown drag out fight between Spider-Man and Norman Osborn. Norman Osborn not got the Green Goblin madness in no. him, but he's still a, a dangerous, dangerous dude. Some might say more dangerous than ever. Yeah, and he brings Spider-Man down a, a couple pegs, and they have this great fight, but yeah. it's, it's brutal, it's emotional, it's fantastic, and this does mark an important point for Parker Industries. Yeah. Hmm. Over in Bullseye number 5, written by Ed Brisson, art by Guillermo Sena, colors by Miroslav Mirva. This is the final episode of Bullseye for now. Uh, we've got a battle royale going on down south of the border where we've got this uh, FBI agent who's trying to kill Bullseye. Bullseye is trying to rescue this kid from this drug dealer. Uh, we've got Bullet and uh, the other Punisher villain who show up here. Shotgun? I think it's Shotgun and Bullet. Makes sense. Um, just all sorts of crazy stuff going on. Bullseye just being brutal. This is, is this another? Yeah, parental advisory, not for kids. A lot of blood, a lot of knives, a lot of guns. Shield shows up, makes a mess out of everything. Bullseye has this great showdown with the main villain. He uh, ends up saving the kid and then interacts with the other villains. Uh, we've got stuff going on back in New York the next day where we get kind of an aftermath for the FBI agent. We get an aftermath for the villains. We get an aftermath for S.H.I.E.L.D. And then we get a great final scene with Bullseye dealing with this kid and his dad and being like the Bullseye-ishest he can. Yeah. Oh, like I that? love that series. Yeah, it was fun. It was great. Uh, all right. On Dirty to fun. Yes. Daredevil number 21 written by Charles Soule. Art by Goran Suzuka and Matt Mila. Uh, so... Matt Murdock has a plan to eradicate all crime in New York City. No big deal. That's his plan. Yep. And he's going to try to do it by the books. Sure. Using the law. Do it the right way. Also using some friends. So as the cover will tell you, Luke Cage and Echo show up in this Mm -hmm. issue. Uh, It's cool. They are... Charles Soule writes a hell of a Luke Cage. Yeah, he does. He, say. he writes a great Luke Cage. Um, but they, we get to see... Now, Ben, do you know these characters? If like, I believe they are new. They're new? I okay. believe they are new. Cool. I, I just like them because they look weird, like S&M-ish. Yep. And like into I knew some you would kinky like stuff. Yeah, I knew you'd like I dig that. it. I'm, yeah. I'm down with it. Dude's got this choker on with yep. this little skull on it. He's down mm-hmm. a clown. You know, it's all good. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, this big fight that happens, and Matt... Like, Daredevil can't touch any of them as part of his plan. But that doesn't mean he can't have his friends help out. Uh, but, of course, they got twisted. Everything got messed up. And there's, they do get to do what they tried to do, but they didn't do it the way they wanted to do it. Well said. Yes. Well said. Iceman, number one, written by Cinna Grace. Art by Alessandro Vitti. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Iceman is my favorite X-Man. I'm super excited to see that he's got his own solo series. He's dealing with a lot right now, not the least of which is trying to get a date. He's on a uh, single, not stirred, an app, a site that he's working through. He is interacting with his younger self in the danger room. They're having a little training session. And basically, Bobby's like, wow, my younger self really has it together. He's got a great boyfriend. He uh, seems to have a handle on his powers. He's getting stuff together. Then Bobby gets a call from his parents. His dad is in the hospital. He has had a heart attack or some sort of heart episode. Iceman has always had a complicated relationship with his parents. They hate that he's a mutant. They hate that he's a superhero. Uh, the mom is 
constantly trying to make things good with him and his dad. She says something here about she basically uh, talks about them selling their house and Bobby being like, "What? You sold my childhood home?" Oh, and um, <laughs> and then she asks about his new girlfriends because obviously he has not come out to them yet, which is going to be an interesting scene when they do it. A purifier shows up chasing a new mutant in I'm, the hospital. I'm yes, digging please. the purifiers being seated yeah, throughout. Exactly, they've been uh, they've been showing up all over the place, and I like this. This one is kind of a looks like a DIY purifier. He's got this armor that looks like a football helmet and yeah. a you know a couple. Um, but gauntlets. He's, the, he's tough. Yeah, very tough. Uh, Iceman shows up, gets all buffed up with the ice on him, uh, does his best to save this mutant while also minimizing damage amongst the hospital. Iceman is one of the worst heroes to have fighting in your general vicinity simply because he creates all this ice that's going to just stick around. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's 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 got to melt at some point and there's just going to be tons of water. And that's just another great thing about Iceman. But yeah, uh, Grace gets the dialogue done really well. I love the power of this new mutant. Oh, yeah, it's super I'm not, cool. I'm not going to say what it is. Uh, and then basically he gets back with his parents and, you know, they say, we love you, but it's tense. Yes. And he uh, gets back on the dating app at the end and finally finds a way to describe himself. I think we're going to see a lot of good stuff in this series. Uh, the next issue's got Kitty Pride in it. And yeah. I'm really excited to see what Cinna does with Iceman. Yeah, Cena added a bunch of, like, he's got New York One references in there which i like because as a new yorker yep. like i watch new york one more hours than any, anything from else Island, there's a like lot you. of long island stuff yeah. in there uh which is great so i just listened uh, there's um, a great comedian named john gabris sure he's on comedy bang bang as intern bang gino bang. but he's um he's really funny he's really great huge like longtime comic book fan uh we've talked a little bit but i his podcast called high and mighty he had cena grace on that oh, cool. on an episode which gave like cena has a great history in comics and sure. some really cool stuff and other things that he's done but like if you can go search out the episode of high and mighty with cena grace it's from like a year or two ago it's really good just to hear like someone from our comics community on a, uh, a podcast that is completely outside our realm it's really really good uh it's a lot of fun and they're funny together nice all right next book up is iron fist number four Written by Ed Brisson, uh, art by Mike Perkins Mike and Perkins, Andy man. Troy. Yes. Mike Perkins and Andy Troy, two of the best in the business. Dynamite. Uh, this is part four of The Trial of Seven Masters as Iron Fist has to go through the seven masters of, uh, what is it? It's uh, the seven masters of Liu Shi, a mysterious island that uh, broke off. We get some really cool history in here of what their deal is mm-hmm. and the connection to Kunlun and their, you know, like why they're so angry and why they're putting Iron Fist through all this stuff. Uh, and Iron Fist is still reeling from the last like three fights he's yeah. had. Uh, there's three fights in the first three issues. There's three fights in this issue. Issue alone. Like, he battles three masters in here and yep. but he is like really like stepping it up. He's getting all his power back together. Awesome fight scene, great choreography, great action, intrigue, and like pissed off Iron Fist by the end. The really fun series. Yeah. Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six number 10. This one adapts part 1 of the new Sinister Six episode. It's originally written by Jacob Simon, directed by Young Ki-yoon, adapted by Joe Caramagna. This pits the Web Warriors against a new incarnation of the Sinister Six. You got uh, Scarlet Spider in here, you got Agent Venom in here, you've got 
Shriek showing up. So all sorts of cool stuff from our adaptation of uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. All right, we've got a big one here, Nova number seven, written yes. by Jeff Loveness and Ramon Perez, art by Scott Hepburn, Ramon Perez, and Ian Herring. This is unfortunately the last issue of this run. Yeah. Um, and it's. Oh. <laughs> uh, so sad. I love having this Nova series. I really too. enjoyed it. Um, but uh, Rich Rider, Rich Rider, is big in big trouble. He's now in the Cancerverse. He's fighting the World Mind, who has been infected by the Cancerverse, which is. Heartbreaking, yeah, heartbreaking and scary. The yeah, world mind makes for a very scary villain when in the cancer. Burst. Yep, uh, and then Sam Alexander, fifteen years old, awesome Nova. There's this great moment in like the first page, and he's figuring out what's going on. He's like, Nova's got to step up. Yep, and he goes right to Rich's aid. He's like, I, you know what, Rich needs help. I've got to help him. Nova's got to look out for Nova. Yeah, it's like. It's like X got to look out for X. X got to look out for X. You know? I love, just pausing for a minute, the uh, design work in the Cancerverse yeah. by Scott Hepburn and by um, Ramon Perez. They just make it look so gross and really go to town with depicting Rich Rider infected by Cancerverse junk. Uh, he becomes this monstrous version of Nova. Yeah. Later they bring in the Avenger, the Revengers. Uh, they look gross. It's uh, it, it's a very unsettling artistic issue. Yeah, I think most of the Cancerverse pages are all done by Scott Hepburn. Yeah, I think so. And too. Ian Herring. Um, and it's it's dope. It's gr- yeah, as you said, it's really gross. Uh, and it's two Novas teaming up to fight the good fight. And it's just this this like homage to mm-hmm. Annihilation yep. when when Rich had to like pull Annihilus's uh, uh, insides out. Yeah. from the inside out. It's just this dope page and the look of like terror and horror on Sam Alexander's face. It was one of those nice, like, if you get it, you get it. If yeah. you don't, it's still it's, pretty cool. It's still very effective. Yeah. Um, and then, like, this really, this, I almost picked this book. Uh, it was very close because uh, especially there's this page. Overwhelming odds in front of them. And uh, Sam's like, okay, rip open a portal and get us out of here. And, and Rich is like, I, I can't. I threw that up with when I got rid of the power. When, uh-huh. like, you know, when we're in this situation because this is it. This is we're fighting them here and now, so they don't get to our home, to yeah. our people. And he's That's like, "Sorry, do." He's like, "Sorry, Rich, this might be it." And Sam's like, "Oh well, I talked to some girls." Yeah. Like oh. that moment, like hit me. It was so sweet and so awesome and like really great. Sam Alexander like coming into his own more and more, uh, and then Rich being friggin' Rich Rider. Mm-hmm. It's dope. They. They are able to be the heroes you need them to be and you want them to be. And there's this great stuff at the end, you know, like the, the codas and where they are and what they've got coming up. And we know we'll see them again. Absolutely. Um, and it's just, you know, smiles and awesomeness. I will say, I was genuinely, as a Rich Rider fan, concerned that he was going to sacrifice himself again. Again. I did not know. I did not know what was going on in the book. I thought there was a genuine, this could be a full circle thing where he ends up back in the Cancerverse, ends up sacrificing himself again. Does he? I'm not going to tell you. You got to read the book. But I will say that Jeff Loveness and Roman Perez did a great job of suspending my disbelief so that I had no idea what the outcome was going to be. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Rogue One, a Star Wars story, number three, adapting Rogue One, a Star Wars story written by Jody Hauser, art by Paolo Villanelli, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, continues telling the story of Jin Erso, her dad, Galen Erso, and all the crazy characters who populate Rogue One. Um, yeah, this is getting into the meat of it and getting into the action, and everything you loved about the movie is right here in the comic. 
Yeah, and and bonus. There's more. Yeah, there's, there's bonus cool more stuff. stuff too. Yeah. Um, all right, we've got a big Secret Empire book this week. Bra- Secret Empire: Brave New World, number one. Uh, three stories in here. The first is an invader story called Sanctuary yeah. by Paul Elor, Brian Level, and Jordan Boyd. As you get uh, Jim Hammond and Toro going down to see Namor. Um, it, well, first it shows Namor dealing with. Uh, some insurgents and some other stuff, and there's turmoil within Atlantis. Uh, but then Jim Hammond, Toro, they go down to see Namor. They want, they need some help. They want to talk about what's going on with Captain America. There's this great stuff, some you know, talking about their history and and all this other stuff. And then there's just this heel turn. Ugh. But the best line, uh, I don't want to spoil the end of the story, no, but, but the, it's so the good. last page has some of like just this perfect Namor at, mm-hmm. element in here. I don't want to... Sp- I can't spoil, don't spoil it. it. Don't, I would don't feel do terrible it. doing it. Don't do it. But if you love Namor, this is your jam. you got to read yeah, that. There's a sure. great story. Uh, second one in here is a giant man story called Mile Hydra. Oh, this, this by is a good one. A boy, yeah. Jeremy Whitley. Jeremy art, Whitley coming art, out again. Art by Diego Olortegui and Andy Troy. So this is uh, Raz Molharta. Am I saying that? Maholta. Maholta. I don't know. It just doesn't work in my tongue, and that's fine. But Roz, who is our you know new giant man, uh, him like how he got to where he was, what's his going on with his life, you know, and in the midst of all the Hydra stuff, uh, who he looks to, because uh, he's a you know he's an associate of Scott Lang's, and then yep. we see some other associates of Scott Lang's, Jeremy Whitley, just nailing all just, the characters yeah. we love from, from Ant-Man. Astonishing Ant-Man. He just sunk right into that Astonishing Ant-Man milieu yep. and uh, really just just translated it perfectly. Yeah. We get to see Roz's family, which is really cool. Uh, and also there's some, some interesting stuff going on. Uh, there's just there's an element in here that if you love Unstoppable Wasp, like there was a tone of some of the characters in the background here. I was like, I want to... They could fit in really yep. well in Wasp. There's some really cool stuff. Uh, oh, and actually, natural, Wasp is actually in here. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a natural tie between Giant Man and Wasp, so I would love to see Giant Man show up in uh, Unstoppable Wasp. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, but there's great stuff, Roz, and you know, hopefully we see him a lot more. And yep. I, I think he's a great new character. And then there's the, the third story, which is a really silly one. It's great. It's a Gwenpool story called Propagandonium, <laughs> uh, written by Nick Coker, art by Tana Ford, and it's. You know, if there's a uh, like a talk show set in in the Marvel universe, having to deal with uh, Hydra taking over, you know, the airwaves, it's really funny, and Gwenpool's involved. It's it's very wacky. Good stuff. Spider-Man number seventeen, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Oscar Bazaldua, colors by Justin Ponzor. We start out with Bombshell trying to make it back on the scene, trying to get out there, do some more good. She runs up against Hammerhead. Things do not go well for her. I liked Hammerhead in this issue, not wanting to fight a girl, but if you tick him off, he's going to fight you. He's going to do some terrible stuff, and he really brutalizes Bombshell. Oh, yeah. Uh, Miles Morales is having this big struggle with, as he says, the darkness in him, and he talks to Gold Balls about it, and uh, just how he he's worried that there's a dark side to him. It's going to take over. He said how he went into a bar and just beat up a whole bar full of people. Then he finds out that Bombshell's in the hospital, finds out about Hammerhead, goes after Hammerhead, 
brutal Spider-Man versus Hammerhead fight. Really great action. Great use of Spider-Man's powers, as always. Hammerhead just... Oscar Basaldua did a great job just making Hammerhead look brutal. And it's it's a great story of, like, elevating Hammerhead. Absolutely. Hammerhead gets elevated big time in this story. And then the cliffhanger actually has to do with uh, Miles' mom, who's been through so much over the last few issues, that when they did the cliffhanger, they didn't end it on the action stuff, but ended it on the character stuff. Felt totally earned to me, and I really yeah. dug it. There's a great, she has a really great mom line in there yep. at the end, too. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. Uh, all right, we have Spider-Man Deadpool number 18, uh, wrapping up the Itsy Bitsy storyline, written by Joe Kelly, art wrapping by Wrapping up McGinnis. Joe Kelly and Ed McGinnis' run on the book. Yep, uh, the two of them. Uh, you've got uh, Mephisto in here. You've got Spidey and Deadpool versus Itsy Bitsy. There's brutality. There's more, you know, talking about morals and talking about choices and talking about all kinds of stuff. This is a heavy issue. Heavy issue and has a great swerve. Yeah, and it's, um, and it's the stuff that it really harkened back to Joe Kelly's Deadpool yes. run uh, where there were so many heavy issues about Deadpool, whether he can be a hero, him trying to be his best. And this one's a heartbreaker, Yeah, what ends up happening. Yeah. Because... Well, you, you get into yeah, there, there. Well, I don't want to get too deep into yeah, it because it's a quick hit. Also, but uh, really great stuff. The the dialogue between Spidey and Deadpool. Joe has been killing it all along. Ed, Ed's no art. No surprise. Yeah, Ed's art uh, along with Mark Morales, Jay Lyson, and Jason Keith. So good, phenomenal stuff. It's a great little end to their run on this book. They have a, a nice letter, a bit of stuff in the back talking about how what you know how they did this 20 years ago when yeah, they yeah, first yeah. did Deadpool and now coming back to it and telling this cool story and yeah really great neat stuff Unstoppable Wasp number six of course one of our favorite books in and out uh, and this is another great issue written by Jeremy Whitley art by Elsa, uh, Elsa Charitier and colors by Megan Wilson uh, Wasp has basically said like all right I've got to go surrender myself because her friend Ling has a bomb in her head. And if she doesn't go surrender herself to the head of the Red Room, she is going to, uh, Ling's going to get her head blown off. The, the ladies of Girl decide they're going to try to figure out a way to get this bomb out of Ling's head so that they can save Nadia and she doesn't have to give herself up. Uh, they do something that looks like the involves the vision. The science in this book is just so cool. They science the crap out they of it. They science the crap out of it because it feels like it could be real. I mean, Jeremy does as much as he can to make it seem like real world applications. Uh, the various members of Girl are great, but one of the best supporting casts in comics right now. Such diverse and cool personalities. Uh, Nadia does manage to get her licks in against her uh, her old boss her old mentor well and it, so it's cool because we loved the black widow series mm-hmm. and there's talk there's there's a, a couple pages or panels in here that bridge because this is mother from black widow black widow yeah. and bridging this the end of black widow and what happened to her what happened here. here which yeah. is great i get some cool stuff there's some cool matt murdoch uh, daredevil action in here as well again nadia getting to be you know nice sweet optimistic but also willing to put herself on the line for a friend and then also being a badass when it comes to fighting people yeah that's a cool touch about wasp that i love and the ending is a tearjerker after all the like fun crazy stuff we've got in this book it's just uh it just rips your heart out at the very end what's gonna happen yeah exactly uh there was looking at a couple panels here and um just looking at it upside down elsa chartier (laughs) like there is a vibe of Darwin Cook I saw in that. I can see that. And I was just yeah, like, for sure. Oh, so good. Yeah, so good. good. All right. Uh, we've got X Men Gold 
number five, uh, written by Mark Guggenheim, pencils by R.B. Silva, inks by Adriano Di Benedetto, colors by Frank Martin, and the X-Men have to fight a basically a mutant sentinel that has sentinel AI merged with nanites and is going after mutants and yeah. it's nasty. Yeah, NBD, no big deal, guys. Yeah. What? NBD. NBD. Uh, you know, like... It's messed up. It's super powerful. Kitty thinks she is able to take it down. She mm. didn't quite do enough. Uh, and of course, this being a sentinel, this being super smart, is able to learn from its mistakes and then takes the fight in really horrific ways. And by the end, you see that this uh, this sentinel is even more dastardly than a sentinel we know before. Oh, no. And finally, Zombies Assemble Number 2, written and drawn by Yusaku Kamiyama, uh, script by Jim Zub, who adapts it so we can read it. you got to read this sucker backwards and uh, read it from right to left. Black Widow and Thor have been in, infected by a zombie virus. Jim Rhodes is yelling at the top oh of his God. lungs. Oh, my God. So good. This is actually a really fun book. It's uh, a lot of fun. It's, the characters are really well done. There's yeah, a on. character introduced in here yeah. who is sort of the cause of the whole zombie thing. Uh-huh. She is... She's delightful. She's my new favorite. She's great. She interacts with the Avengers. She kind of holds her own. She's a big Captain America fan. I love this panel of Cap just posing for pictures. Like, there's... Like, she is the ultimate Captain America fan. She runs a Captain America Daily Report website. Uh, That comes into play. We've got Tony and Bruce trying to figure out how to get to the bottom of this uh, zombie thing. We've got weapons left over from the Chitauri invasion. So this is, you know, movie continuity stuff i don't, I don't it's, it's not official canon but it's set in the movie continuity yeah where it's like yeah. you know if you take the what the events of the first marvel's the avengers film yeah. and you sort of spin it off into this story yeah. so it's from that moment from the end of that and then where it goes sure there's some stuff with the chitauri in here which is really clever uh the characters just interact so well they're very funny they think they have a solution for the zombie virus they think they've got thor back and oh boy they uh, they yeah. find out that's not the case. And a great Ooh. interview with uh, Jim's Jim Zub talking about adapting this whole thing. Yeah, good books this week. Good stuff. All right. Also on sale collections, we've got Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collection, Craven's Last Hunt. You know that's good stuff. Color Your Own Spider-Man, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu Omnibus Volume Two and Hardcover, New Avengers by Brian Michael Bendis Complete Collection Volume Five, Spider-Man Amazing Origins, Spider-Man my, by David Michelini and Eric Larson Omnibus, Spider-Man Forever Young Prose Novel in Hardcover, Spider-Man Homecoming Prelude, Spider-Man Deadpool Volume Two Side Pieces, and Star Wars Volume Two out in hardcover. Yeah, digital comics on sale this week. So if you missed them, uh, free comic book day issues. They now in the Marvel app. You Yay. get the all new Guardians of the Galaxy as well as Secret Empire. Empire, so you can get those in the Marvel app as well as the books we've talked about, uh, plus some classics, some old books, including Excalibur 96 through 99 and 101 through 103 from the original run, Pride and Wisdom 1 through 3 from 1996, Venom, The Enemy Within 1 through 3 from 1994, and Werewolf by Night 2 through 31 from the 70s. Plus, digital collections on sale this week include Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collection Craven's Last Hunt, Spider-Man Deadpool Volume 2 Side Pieces, Spider-Man Amazing Origins, Spider-Man Homecoming Prelude, Excalibur Visionaries Warren Ellis Volume 3, Fantastic Four Masterworks Volume 16, Fantastic Four Masterworks Volume 17, Franklin Richards Collected Chaos, and Franklin Richards Not-So-Secret Invasion. Freshly digitized on Marvel Unlimited, you've got Black Widow Number 8, you've got Daredevil Issues Number 365 through 380 from the original series, Deadpool Back in Black Number 4, Extraordinary X-Men Number 16, Ghost Rider Number 1, the most recent, Great Lakes Avengers Number 2, 
Guardians of the Galaxy number 14, Inhumans versus X-Men number 0, Classic Marvel Man from the 50s number 25 through 28, Miss Marvel number 13, New Avengers number 18, Old Man Logan number 14, Star Wars Annual number 2, Thunderbolts number 7, Totally Awesome Hulk number 12, and Uncanny Inhumans number 16. Mm-hmm. Shall we send it to the West Coast? Let us. Let us send it to the West Coast. And we'll be back with questions and comments. It's the West Coast, show me at the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me at the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me at the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me at the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me at the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, baby. Hello this week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, and there's no me doing a bad German accent bit in this because we've got some new, fa- a new face yeah, to introduce best first. Best behavior. Yeah, uh, no, uh, not all. That's anyway, we are. Und sei, do you want there me to do my go. bad? Oh, danke, danke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we're joined by. Hi, I'm Jennifer. I am the new social media coordinator. That's right. Jen is joining us. Uh, Christine is off on a super secret mission, and I didn't want to talk alone into a room for the <laughs> second half of this, so we brought Jen along. Everyone say hello, Jen. And uh, we are abetted by some regular faces, namely... Tim Hernandez, Marvel Games. Danny Koo, try it. No, <laughs> Marvel Games, just kidding. Um, we got... All right. Let's start off with you, Danny. What What is going on with you? We've got some uh, some folks coming to Future Fight? Yes, we've got this little thing called X-Men and Future Fight. Um, fans have been asking since the game launches. It's like, hey, where's X-Men? And after two years, the first month of the update, we're finally able to bring X-Men into Future Fight. Nice. Who uh, Have we said exactly who is coming in the first uh, wave? Or? Yes, uh, for the last two weeks we've been teasing and, f- and we re- released recently, uh, you know, Wolverine, Cyclops, Storm, Rogue, Phoenix, and Magneto. Whoa, nice. We forgot about the best character, Beast. I'm doing it on purpose <laughs> because <laughs> Tim's favorite character is Beast. <laughs> Do you have, uh, Tim, have you, you've seen the disturbing beast statue that is on our office manager JP's desk, correct? I refuse to acknowledge that statue. Okay. Yes, I've seen it. All right. But I do not want to see it. Yeah, anymore. there's just a statue that's very, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of a very graphic statue of the beast. <laughs> but little. do you acknowledge the glasses that we put on beast that's modeled after your glasses? That's the best feature. That's why I love Beast. Did they actually? Did they? Did you actually model the glasses off of Tim's glasses? Uh, refuse to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyhow, um, you know, players have a week like before this update. They they were gathering resources to kind of anticipate this update, and so far the re- reception has been tremendous. Yeah, it's great. I'm. Well, I, I don't actually play Future Fight, but if I were, if you were, I'd be very excited. Yes, you will, because this is not the only time X Men will show up. Nice. Jeez. All right. Um, moving on to uh, some other games. Tim, your games have some updates. Let's start with the big one for this. Well, I guess there are they're a few all big. big. I guess they're all kind of big. Let's just start with Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale Episode Two. Yeah, dropped on it's Tuesday. Under pressure, continuing the. Tr- the 
theme of uh, song titles as our episode titles. This one uh, focuses on Rocket, but also has a ton of new choices, new characters we introduce in this episode. I don't want to spoil it. Uh, I, I think Rocket, everybody knows, he's on the on the main art for that episode. But some some new new he, faces. He's, al- pop he's up. also one of the main guardians. Yes, so. but the focus <laughs> the focus of Rocket. Learn a little bit more about his backstory, where he came from, some of his motivations, why he may have joined the Guardian. So it's a, a really great and touching episode. I'll leave it at that. But I it's mean, available for download now. You you were saying right before we started that you've been working on this game for well over a year at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, now that episode two is out and it's still getting some really great acclaim, like what, what has been like the most satisfying part of, you know, seeing this thing come out that you've been working on for so long? I think seeing, for me, it's been all about the emotional connection of the characters, which we're really able to do with the series is get a little bit deeper into each of uh, you know what the character motivations are, what where they're coming from, why they joined the Guardians, and that's something that as we were going through scripts a year ago, we're like, wow, what? Where did Rocket come from? What is his background? A lot of people who read the comics may have some ideas, but um, I mean, a lot of our fans were introduced to the Guardians from the films, and so we wanted to to kind of take that into account and really reintroduce the the background for these characters, uh, you know, in a way that people might not expect. Even fans of the comics, uh, comic book Guardians, we're we're putting our own spin on them. So you know, some surprises, some new characters that people aren't familiar with, um, and and sitting on those for the last year, knowing their spoiler material, finally being able to 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 reveal those, and what we we're hoping were uh, emotional moments and you know funny humorous bits hitting with fans and we're reading reviews and and talking to people around the office and on campus here like oh yeah I played the game that was so funny that one scene was hilarious or oh I was crying at that other scene we we're like oh okay it hit uh, the thing that we had planned a year ago that we were wondering will people like it will it feel true to Guardians it's actually hitting and and so that's I think for me the most gratifying. Uh, moment to see that okay yeah we were our instincts were right the telltale guys well, you know we're onto something here and, and the, the path that they wanted to take these characters on um was a little bit of a stretch but it's paying off so we're really happy with that nice and while you can get episode two right now another game that you work on is now available for pre-order yes right? yes lego, lego marvel superheroes 2 nice and there's there's all right so i don't fully know the deal with this because i was briefed in very brief terms but there's something to do with a giant man minifigure there is something to do with all that. right great yes yes you got it all right i did my job so let me let me break it down because there's a lot of uh, nuances to this one. So p- digital pre-orders are available for uh, two versions of the game. So the, st- the standard version, uh, but there's also a deluxe version and uh, a retail the retail version of that, which you know you can get for for PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch, will be bundled with an exclusive minifigure of Giant Man. Nice. Uh, the digital pre-order of that will also give players early access to a retro Guardians of the Galaxy pack. So we've revealed that uh, classic Yondu is part of that pack. Um, some other cool characters, which we'll, we'll reveal later on, but you can kind of figure out who they might be. And wait, that the the pre-order that gets you the main fig, do you have to pre-order that through certain places, or is that anywhere? Anywhere. Anyway, yeah. All right. Yeah, for the for the retail minifigure, get in anyway. All right, and rounding things up, 
Come You're bringing some carnage some to Contest of yes, Champions. some carnage. Bringing some mayhem. Similar to uh, X-Men in, in Future Fight, Carnage has been one of the most requested characters in Contest of Champions for a really long time. I think people have a bloodlust uh, carnage. for Carnage and Mayhem, as you alluded to. So, yeah, happy to finally introduce Carnage to the contest. He's, uh, he's a... He's a badass. Uh, I, I should hope so. Bleed is one of uh, the the traits that he's he's his moves are really built around. So for experts of the game, they'll uh, you know really want to get him. I think with his special three, you get 100% bleed on your opponent, which is a very valuable tool uh, for the game. And so yeah, he's just great. His his moves are are pretty incredible. It, check him out. It's bloody good fun, you could say. Yeah. Yes. Or bleed your opponent and run to the other corner and stay there. Yeah, <laughs> just let him die off slowly. And you yeah. can watch watch from the other side. I just imagine Danny trolling people by doing that, playing the game. Just bleed once and then watching now. It, 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 sounds like, it sounds like you're talking from experience here, Danny. It doesn't sound like you're talking in hypotheticals. Um, no comment there. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, that's why I brought up Lee, because I knew Danny would be all over that. (laughs) No, it's one of my favorite tricks in the game, too. Yeah, Yeah. you just swipe them and, you know, let them die off slowly. Great. Or quick. All right, hope I don't get paired up with Danny in any of these matches. Um... Well, you're going to be at E3, right? So you guys can test oh, out E3, some yes. games. Next week, the Electronic Entertainment Expo in L.A. We're going to have a lot of big announcements, some great games being demoed. We can't tell you which one. Well, some of them we can. So for all the Marvel vs. Capcom fans out there, as you know or have not known, that we announced that Marvel vs. Capcom is playable on the E3 show floor. Nice. So... If you are going, please come by and say hi to Danny Koo. I'll give you a surprise. Track him down. And uh, if, yeah, I mean, you could also come to the Warner Brothers booth and check out Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2. You can say hi to me, but I'm not going to give you anything other than a smile and a but, handshake, perhaps. But if you knew how glorious Tim's smiles are, you'd be lining up. And, and, and his beast glasses. And, and to see the beast glasses, yes. yes. Um, nice. Take a yeah. photo with Beast. Yeah, photo op with Beast. When is E3? is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday next week, right? Yeah, so Tuesday, right. Tuesday the show floor opens at 12, uh-huh. and then uh, Wednesday and Thursday open at 10. Great. All right, well, come on down. Search out Danny and uh, Tim at the uh, Capcom and Warner Brothers booths. I'll probably be wandering around there at some point, being inundated by just, like, the sheer visual aesthetic assault that is E3. <laughs> yes, we also have surprise activities that we, we're going to announce as the week co- go. I mean, right. as the days go, because it's next week. So. <laughs> Stay tuned to us on all our social and all that stuff. I'm sure we'll have some more news about that soon. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you guys. Thanks. Perfect. And stick around, because Jen and I will be back in just a moment. Hey, everyone. Jen and I are back. Jen. Yes. This is your first week here. It is my first week here. We don't have much news to cover, so <laughs> th- this will be relatively easy for okay. you. Uh, we got some Ant-Man shorts, yes. which I know you've seen. Yes, they are fabulous. <laughs> uh, they look amazing. They do. They do. They're in a very, very stylized aesthetic. We've released three of three of them so far. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be three more debuting. Um, yes. Of course, you can watch... The first three right now online. Uh, That's just check out um, Facebook, Mar- Marvel.com, Facebook, yep. Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Those three are up right now. My favorite one is the Science Fair. Science Fair one is good. Because uh, I just love the dynamic of it's just Scott racing to <laughs> unscrew up his daughter's science project. <laughs> uh, it's very sweet. Um, it brings me memories of my past with science fairs in elementary school. I never did science fairs what? in elementary school. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Well. <laughs> is the min- I guess we don't do those things in the Midwest. <laughs> Wait, no, I don't want to say that. Every time I say, like, we do something in the Midwest, we don't do something in the Midwest, Ryan gets a lot of tweets uh, <laughs> telling him about how I'm wrong about that. I don't know. I just had a very peculiar upbringing, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've got those three shorts. Uh, you can watch them now online. They will also be playing on Disney XD uh, throughout Saturday. Um, and we will be debuting three more ant-man shorts on disney xd on sunday um check out marvel.com for the exact times um because i know they kind of play at odd times uh i assume we'll be we're probably posting the other three we will yes we will we will will post the other three sometime probably next week or so sometime next week sometime soon Mm -hmm. but if you want to see them first check out disney xd go on marvel.com find out where all the times are and you can watch them all on Sunday. Um, that might be all the news we have. Is there any other news? Movie? T- You've been posting most of this stuff. What movie or TV news did I forget about? So right now, I think the, I don't think there's anything right now. Movie-wise, yeah. there's nothing. It's a little quiet. Go see Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy Volume 2, yes. still in theaters. What yes. do you mean there's nothing? Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy Volume 2 is still in theaters. I know, theaters. that's true, that's true. There's I've, nothing. I've already there's seen nothing. it twice. Oh. <laughs> uh. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we are we are l- less than a month away, I guess, from uh, from uh, Spider-Man Homecoming Spider-Man as well. Spider-Man Homecoming, very excited about that. So stay tuned for that. Well, of course, I don't know. I, I feel like this is the period where all I say in these podcasts is just like, hey, we got lots of stuff cooking. <laughs> Our kitchen is, there's it's got a nice smell to it. It's going to be boiling over pretty soon. <laughs> boiling over, sm- I don't know, this, this analogy went off the rails. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess stay tuned uh, and keep on listening because after this, we've got me talking with uh, Harrison Wilcox and uh, Roger Craig Smith, who plays Captain America in... Avengers, Marvel's Avengers Secret Wars, and then we've got Christine talking with uh, some of the voice actors from uh, the Telltale Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy series, Yay. which, as we mentioned, episode two dropped this week. All right. I think that's it. I went easy on you, Jen. <laughs> thank you. There was, there was no thank you for for not making me just sit here quietly in a room like a like a weirdo just like talking into the microphone by himself. Always appreciated. Oh, good. Oh, uh, good. Uh, thank you. Well, thank you for listening. But I'm gonna be back in like uh, two seconds, so Yay. stay tuned. Bye. And now welcome to this week in Marvel, our very special guest. Welcome back. This week in Marvelites, you still Mark Strom here, uh, filling in for Christine while she is off on some type of secret mission. Uh, we are going to talk about the season premiere of Marvel's Avengers Secret Wars. Uh, and we have a couple of special guests with us. Why don't you introduce yourself, gentlemen? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be diplomatic. <laughs> I, I am uh, Roger Craig Smith. I'm the voice of Captain America. And Harrison Wilcox. 
voice of Marvel animation. Yeah, I, I love how yours, like, Harrison Wilcox, everybody knows who I am. I'm a big deal. Uh, Harrison Wilcox, supervising producer of Secret Wars. So, guys, we're still a week out from the premiere, but we have, I believe fans at this point have seen some of the shorts that introduced the new characters, correct? Yeah, we've, we've put out the shorts of Captain America and Miss Marvel that uh, feature uh, the other characters that are going to be appearing this season on the show, uh, Ant-Man and Wasp, Vision, Captain Marvel, Black Panther, and, of course, Miss Marvel. Now, uh, Roger, obviously, and we were just talking about this a little bit beforehand, you know, you core Avengers cast, you guys have been at this for several years now. Yeah. But it seems like uh it started to expand a little bit last year but now this year we sort of have these you know quote unquote new avengers mm-hmm. um what's it been like bringing in so many new voices to sort of the core group in this season you know it's an interesting thing because I, I guess uh and harrison can probably attest to this like it it's funny it becomes very familial after a while uh, and and i was just before we started recording, we were talking about, I think we started in 2012. Yeah. We premiered in 2013, so we were definitely recording back in 2012. So it's been, what are we looking at, over five years yeah. of doing this stuff. But it's been great. Um, we all, we always call it uh, detention. Fred Tatashore and I always just say it's like being in detention back in <laughs> high school. Everything <laughs> everything we got in trouble for in high school is what we're getting hired to do now <laughs> for a living. <laughs> and... Uh, and so we became very familial. Um, everybody involved in the cast, we all get along. We all are uh, like sort of uh, verbally abusive to one another in the sessions and whatnot. It's uh, in all all good nature. Um, and uh, and to invite somebody else, not invite, that makes it sound like, you know, like, you know, well, we're going to let you in now. But uh, to have other people come in has been awesome because they just fit right in immediately. They, they I think, saw how things were working um, and the way that we all kind of got along, and it's been it's been awesome. It's it's fun, kind of having it's sort of re-energized things, I think, in a lot of ways. And the writing uh, in the last you know couple seasons has only gotten stronger and stronger. And so with getting to deliver material like that, and yet still kind of have the same uh, familial element to it all, has been uh, excellent. It's been a lot of fun, <laughs> too much fun, I think. And Harrison, from a story standpoint, uh, you know, we talked about what's like bringing in all these new characters for the actor side of things. But what made you, uh, you guys on the writer's side and the producing side, want to sort of infuse the show with so many new Avengers? Well, uh, this is actually my first uh, season on the show. Uh, I've watched from afar and had all these uh great uh, Avengers cast members guest star on the shows I've been working on, which was Hulks and Guardians and Spider-Man up until this point. Uh, So I was very excited to get to work with uh, that team uh, for 26 episodes. And then I was told, well, wait a minute, we need to introduce these seven additional characters. (laughs) Uh, And and I realized quickly that we, uh, despite how much I wanted to, we couldn't have 15 or so characters on the screen uh, at one time. Uh, so, what, what I'm sure your animators will have loved you for that. Yeah. Uh, so that, in a, in a way, sort of g- gave me the spark of the idea that 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 I shared with uh, our head writers, uh, Eugene Sun and Danny Wolf, and that drove that drove sort of the creative direction uh, of the first half of the season. You will see that. Uh, start to play out in these first two premiere episodes. 
And Roger, for Captain America, you know, he's been, he's a character who's been leading this team now for, you know, three seasons. And um, now that the group is expanding, can you tease a little bit about, you know, what particularly at the beginning in these first couple of episodes in the shorts, sort of what does Cap see as his role in bringing in these new characters? Does he sort of see himself as ushering in a second generation of Avengers or I don't know what, what's he think of it I would say so I would I would say that especially with Ms. Marvel it's kind of like and we teased it early on that it was sort of like a uh, a mentorship of, of sorts where he kind of takes that role where he's kind of encouraging them and and he's always been that guy I think he's always been sort of ever the boy scout and always encouraging training and doing it by the book and that kind of thing um, and I think he sees sort of the uh he has compassion i think for some of these uh newcomers and and especially with miss marvel kind of like sort of taking her under his wing and letting her know that it's okay uh well i i will say at some point this season there will be uh at least one hail hydra and there will also be uh a arnim zola tv screen in cap's chest at some point um but in this upcoming episode um we're gonna have we have this great moment and uh jeff allen and i well, we're sitting at the sound mix, and neither of us are known for being... Je- Jeff Allen being our director. Supervising director. Yep. Neither of us are known for being super sentimental, but we were both sitting there watching this moment at the end of the two-parter where the other Avengers, and Cap in particular, are sort of staring down uh, what the villains have in store for them. Uh, and and as that takes effect, both of us had a little little tear in our eye. It's a, It's probably one of the most emotional moments we've ever had on the shows and uh they just nailed it both in script and on screen well thank you guys for joining us uh of course we also we always like to give a special shout out for our special guests uh where can fans find you online roger uh follow me on twitter instagram just at roger craig smith my full name it's boring and it's nothing nothing unique but yeah i uh i'm pretty active on twitter i'm getting more active on instagram Find out where he lives. He loves it when you bring him baked goods in the shape of Captain America's shield. Exactly. Doesn't matter what. (laughs) Wow. Please please don't find out where I live. (laughs) I mean, I'm flattered on one degree, I suppose, but no, that's cool. (laughs) Tune in and listen. Uh, And Harrison, we're not saying anyone to your social media. No. 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 Um, Find out where Harrison lives. Yeah. yeah, if you're interested, DM yeah. me. This is, yeah. uh, all right, well, thank you guys thank for, for joining us. Uh, everyone else, stay tuned because we'll be talking uh, uh, with some of the voice cast from the Telltale Gardens of the Galaxy game in just a second. And now welcome to This Week in Marvel, our very special guest. Hello this week at Marvelites. This is Senator Christine Din. And we're here this week at Studiopolis. In Studiopolis. Yeah. With the cast of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale series uh, out now across all devices that you guys like to play on, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and across your Androids and you know, iPhones. And it's the first episode, which is Tangled Up in Blue. And I'm uh, here joining me is Gamora herself, Emily O'Brien. Hello. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, how was it recording so far today oh it's great we jumped into the third episode 
Mm. Not sure what I can reveal there, but I won't, I won't make you spoil anything. <laughs> okay, there's um, definitely a new character, and um, some preludes into later episodes as well, which I think everyone will find very interesting. Yes, from my understanding, this episode is focusing on you, correct? Yes, your story. Yes, <laughs> my story, Gamora's story, and. Um, what happened with her sister Nebula and mm -hmm. Thanos. And you actually get to go back into her memories and witness what happened, which is, is pretty exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so you're no stranger to video games. You've done um, the Lord of the Rings game, and I know you've done League of Legends and Final Fantasy. Mm -hmm. What drew you to uh, this Telltale series? Quite honestly, I, I just kind of fell into it. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of the Emily project that was done back in 2008. It, or maybe, oh, God, it was earlier than that. It was earlier than that. Um, so basically, I got this job. Mm -hmm. I really didn't know what was behind it. <laughs> and they just wanted someone who kind of looked like Kira Knightley. And I'm brunette, brown mm -hmm. eyes. And I went in, and I'm from England originally. So they wanted someone to go in and do the dialect. And they said, oh, you know, we're going to do some face scans of you and you're going to wear this head cam. I did see this, yes. You did, yes. yeah. So uh, that was with a company called Image Metrics. Mm -hmm. And I I was called back again and a couple more times. And then um, they started working with a man named Paul DeBevick, the genius Paul DeBevick, mm -hmm. who um, wanted to try something that has never been done before right. and that was essentially a markerless performance so I went back and uh, they put me in this incredible light stage where they took scans of, of my face and all mm -hmm. these different poses and postures um, and they started using that and that kind of was my portal into this world and I really knew nothing about video games. I had my, still have my Sega Genesis from... <laughs> well, those things are like worthy now. <laughs> are they? I'm never selling it. I paid for it with pennies and dollars and I'm, I'm keeping it. I've got all the old games, but that's really all I knew of video games. Mm -hmm. um, so then from that, I, I started doing more games and, yeah. and that kind of melded into voiceovers. Um, but it's a, it's a great business. I love it, both mocap and doing voice um, right. video games. It's just a, an enormous industry. Um, how did Telltale invite you to uh, the Marvels game? Um, I I actually got this through my agent, but funny enough, my friend Luke McMullen. Hi, Luke. <laughs> um, he is working within Telltale, I believe. Oh, okay. And he got in touch with me. He said, hey, listen, I heard your name's been thrown around here. Mm -hmm. Maybe get yourself on, on an MP3 and send it over. So I received the, the latest scripts, mm -hmm. called my agent, and I said, look, let's give this a go yeah. um, and call in. And it just happened. But I had no idea how extensive this was going to be. Well, I had no awesome. clue. Yeah. So when you were reading the scripts and everything, what drew you to Gamora? I think her wit, mm -hmm. um, her sarcasm. And that was one thing that they really nailed on the head. They said, we, we want to be able to hear wit and sarcasm, but mm -hmm. without this scolding, you know, she's the voice of reason. Yes. 
And she's kind of the mom of the group. Yeah, she is. But you don't you don't want to be like the mom. Well, I told you to do this. <laughs> and it's it's kind of tough to to create that balance. And so that was a nice challenge to mm-hmm. take on. Yeah, that's really awesome. So I know, um, you know, like you've been on TV and like you know in front of a camera. Like, what has the process been to be like behind the camera, where you really can't convey um, like body language and like facial cues like how does that translate but but behind the microphone yeah behind the microphone yeah um it's funny if you watch me I think I'm doing the exact same thing as I would as on camera Mm -hmm. I use my whole body um but what I find fascinating is I've been reading some of the reviews about the first episode Mm -hmm. and some people have been writing and one guy said he he was actually getting emotional and teared up listening Aww. to one of the scenes that I had, yeah. which I think is just so flattering. It's it's like such a compliment to a voiceover actor because me, myself, I've yeah. never met the actor who plays Peter Quill, mm-hmm. and I hear his voice from time to time, and to play off a voice and be able to convey feeling and emotion through that is, is it's a it's a challenge, but that's what makes this so fun. So it's also fascinating. So unlike working on set in the studio is very different. So all your pieces, you record separately. You don't get to interact with the rest of the team. No, it's just me and the engineer. We <laughs> Skype in with the director and the yeah. team. That's like so fast, because especially for the Guardians and the team itself, yeah. the, the relationships dynamic is so important and mm-hmm. how they bounce off each other. So for voice recording, um, do you have like opportunities to riff off it? Because you know, like a lot of times for the Guardians, they're really funny. They play off of each other. Um, do you get to like infuse some of your own personality into it? Yeah, definitely. And we we normally do it in three takes. So I'll okay. give one take that you know my own interpretation, and they'll laugh or they'll <laughs> like it, and you know. I, I'm guessing that they – I don't know what they've gone with. I haven't played the game yet. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I might get annoyed of myself, to be honest. But I, I, I'm really curious to play it and excited. Yeah, And I think yeah. it's special about Gamora's character is that, you know, this is a group of misfits who don't really have family. But for Gamora, her family ends up being, like, the opponents for the Guardians. Mm-hmm. And I can see why – uh, like a fan really got emotional with your performance because you, you know, like ultimately have to defeat Thanos who really gave you a disturbing childhood. And then you have Nebula, your sister, but you've always been pitted against each other. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so like what, cause I know like for a character like Gamora who has like a rich history in comics and the animated series and the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy volume two, mm-hmm. like how did, like what was your approach to her? Like what makes her different in, in this brand new story as opposed to things that fans might see elsewhere? I think that people see her as maybe abrasive in many ways. She's got a very tough exterior. Mm -hmm. She's the one who's protecting everybody else. She's the strongest. She's the the fastest. Mm -hmm. She's quick-witted, quick, and her mind, she's really quick to come up with a great plan. What I'm liking about the later episodes, though, is that you can really start to see her break down. And I think Mm -hmm. you start to understand why she has this tough exterior. And 
especially when it delves deep into uh, the relationship with Nebula, it's all kind of a, it's a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. Because her father and her sister are, are two people that she is fighting against. Right. But yet she still loves her sister. Mm -hmm. So I'm really starting to see all of that kind of unravel. And it's, um, I think it's, it's, it's been great to show her somewhat vulnerable because she's one who I don't think would ever expose that side no, of herself. Like she keeps her guards really up high. Yeah. And that would, that's what makes her such like a strong and badass character. Yeah. Um, did you read any comics or the films to like prepare you for this role? No, I saw the film. Mm -hmm. It was all kind of really quick, to be honest. And I, I really didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> I, you know, you come here and you're in yeah. a room and there's one engineer and you, you have a session. <laughs> and you go, oh, okay, great. They're like, okay, you're coming back and coming back. I've been doing this since December. Oh, wow, Kim. Yeah. And you're only at episode three right now. Yes. Just started today. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't. I really didn't see any of the comics, seeing the movie. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I did try and look into um, Gamora and explore that. But the, the story in the game is pretty different to the, the film. Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's also just really interesting to see how like the preparation process has been so different. What can you share about like episode one? Since I know that since that's already out, um, what can we learn from Gamora for fans who haven't played? What can we learn from Gamora? We, I think you'll learn a lot more in, in episode two, but as far as episode one, I think what you learn is her she is very amorous towards Peter Quill's character, and um, she really tries to hide that. Yeah. And it's not until he dies and you get to really see the panic and fear that's instilled in her from mm -hmm. his death that you kind of get to see, oh, she's unraveling. She'll do yeah. anything to save him. Um, it's like when the stakes are really high. That's yeah. Like when she can really allow herself to feel things. Yeah. And then, you know, he, he wakes up, he, he comes back, and mm -hmm. she kind of goes, oh, don't scare me like that. And she goes back <laughs> to the same guard up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know that in the game, you know, like there's this big epic battle, and, you know, like guardians end up discovering an artifact. And mm -hmm. the reason why each guardian member wants this artifact is very different. Why does Gamora want this artifact? Because she's so incredibly afraid of someone holding this much power. Mm -hmm. She doesn't think anyone should be able to hold this much power. It's dangerous because right. it can be released and everyone wants to get their hands on it. Mm -hmm. So I can see like why she would be, you know, threatened by like the villains wanting to possess this. Does she have any reservations with the other guardians possessing this power? Yeah, possibly. I mean, what if Rocket, Rocket <laughs> possess or Groot? I yeah. don't know. Sure. Um, yeah, and maybe even Peter because Peter is, he's, he's kind of, he can be a little dense sometimes. <laughs> um, and I think she just kind of wants to put this away so that no one can get their hands on it. Mm -hmm. So how does she view Peter as the leader of the group? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Eye roll. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, uh, well, Peter's the kind of guy who comes up with a plan at the very last second. Mm -hmm. He's unreliable. He's unpredictable. 
But you know she's going to have a hell of a time with him. It's always an adventure. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, definitely. I, I, I think she views him as selfish, childlike, immature, mm-hmm. ill-equipped. It's pretty much everything that's the opposite of what she, like, she values. Yes, and exactly. possesses. Yeah. <laughs> but then you, you wouldn't have a, a show. You wouldn't have a movie, right? right. It's the best dynamic ever. That's awesome. Can yeah. you share like what's been your favorite moment at the recording sessions or even just like a favorite moment for Gamora within the game in the first episode? Within the first episode. Hmm. There's a pretty funny scene where she starts to get drunk. <laughs> and you really, you know, yeah. it's it's so unlike her cuz really, she she's she, like always in control of and her own composed. Yeah. So that was a little bit of fun to mm-hmm. steer off and and play her a little intoxicated and hear the <laughs> things that she'd say. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I think that the the scenes that I'm enjoying most of all are coming later when you really okay. really discover who she is and what her secrets are. Got it. So we've talked about like her relationship with Thanos and Nebula and Peter. Like, what is? How does she interact with the rest of the Guardians? With Drax and Rocket and Groot? Like, does she she view them the same way that she views Peter? Maybe, maybe not so much Groot, mm-hmm. but Rocket definitely. There, <laughs> there are times where he's pestering her, and she just she doesn't want to deal with him. <laughs> And she just allows him to storm off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think Peter really is the <laughs> the one that gets under her skin the most. Yeah. yeah. So for fans who want to follow you on social media, uh, what, where can they find you? Oh, God. I'm, re- <laughs> I'm really not social media savvy. Uh, I don't really have many followers and I don't post that often. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but, yeah, if, if they want to follow me, what am I on? Um, M. Roya on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And Twitter, I think I'm Emily X O'Brien. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join Marvel.com for this. Thank you. And for fans who want to get more action from Gamora, you know, uh, episode one is already on sale and look forward to episode two and the rest. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited. Hello, this week in Marvelite, this is Esther Christine Din, and I'm here in the recording studio for Marvel's Gardens of the Galaxy, the Telltale series, and joining me, we have Star-Lord himself, Scott Porter. What's up? So you're no, uh, no strangers to Marvel or video games, you know. You've been Scott Summers for the X-Men series, Ben Riley. Um, you've done X-Men, what was it, Destiny, Lego Marvel's Avengers. Um, what is it like now doing Guardians of the Galaxy? You know, this project was a little bit different. I, You know, the Lego games are their own kind of universe, mm-hmm. and it's silly, and it's a lot of fun. And then when I was doing Cyclops both in Marvel Heroes and uh, in the anime, uh, the X-Men weren't as big. At least the core team wasn't. Right gigantic at the time their stories had already been told and Mm -hmm. spoiler alert cyclops had been killed uh, (laughs) in the movies so i could kind of originate those voices and not have to worry about being compared to the most massive movie 
series in the world happening which is happening right now with guardians 2 so when i got the offer to play peter quill i immediately thought oh man i don't i don't even know if i should do this because chris pratt is a man that possesses endless charisma and that star lord his (laughs) version of star lord is as most people's idea of what star lord is Mm -hmm. and should be and has to be the only reason i ended up actually taking it is because telltale is so good at telling their own stories with the characters. Right. Um, they've done a lot of different properties against, uh, you know, across all types of media and have told character stories who have been around for decades and decades but mm-hmm. made it fresh and uniquely their own. And ultimately, that's why I did it. We get to make a new Star-Lord. This isn't the comic book Star-Lord. Right. It's not the film Star-Lord. It is Telltale's Guardians of the Galaxy story. And so what is your approach to Star-Lord as him as a leader, as <clears throat> someone building his team out? How do you differ? Well, it's interesting because I don't choose. The player chooses. That's right. So when you play a Telltale game, you are faced every few seconds with making a decision on how you speak to Rocket. Mm-hmm. If you do what Rocket Raccoon wants you to do or if you choose to do something that Gamora wants to do. And then in the heat of battle, you choose whether or not you want to take out a guy or, mm-hmm. you know, what exactly you, you do in those scenarios. When you're piloting the Milano, how do you speak to your crew? And right. we, uh, as far as Telltale goes, we go ahead and deliver three or four different types of emotion. So I get to play cocky Star-Lord. <laughs> I get to play grounded leader Star-Lord. I get to play mature Star-Lord. And it's important to note also that the Guardians of the Galaxy in this series have been together for a long time. Correct. And within the first half of the first episode, you do something that no one has ever been able to do across the galaxy. And it's a real exploration of what happens after that. You know, if you're a a kid growing up who plays basketball and you want to do nothing Mm -hmm. but win an NBA championship, and then you do it. You make it through college, you get drafted in the right. NBA, you win your first championship. What do you do after that? Do you fall off? Do you retire? Do you, yeah. you know, how do you face? And that's kind of what the Guardians have done. They won their championship. They did something that no one else has ever done right. before. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, <laughs> it has something to do with one of the biggest villains Marvel has ever seen. Exactly. And then what happens after that? Does mm-hmm. the team stay together? Does the band stay together? Or do they fall apart? Right. Uh, so... You know, that's we give you all the tools to figure out how to keep your team together, mm-hmm. and it's up to you to be able to do it. Yep. So I know after this big epic battle, um, the guardians come across this artifact, but each uh, each team member has a different reason why they want this artifact, and you know sometimes it's conflicting. Sometimes they'll um, be in the same alignment. Like when I talked to Emily for Gamora. She just says that this artifact is so powerful, she does not want it to go in anybody's hands. And that sometimes means the team itself. Mm-hmm. So what's what's Peter's play at this artifact? The artifact, can I name the artifact? Can I say yeah. the name of the artifact? The Eternity Forge is what mm-hmm. the artifact is called. And it harkens back to Indiana Jones or any yep. of these amazing adventure movies of the 70s and the 80s that have an object of great power mm-hmm. that everyone is fighting for. And that great object of power, the Eternity Forge in our game, can be used for good or for the worst kind of evil you could ever imagine. It's capable of showing you pieces of your past and making you believe that you can bring them back. 
And are we supposed to do that? Are we supposed to go back in time? Mm -hmm. uh, Peter Quill lost his mother, and he believes that the Eternity Forge can help him bring his mother back. Right. And even if it can't, he believes it's going to give him some time with her, maybe some closure he didn't have mm -hmm. when he was a kid, and he didn't know how much he loved his mom. So right. what would you do for extra minutes with a loved one? You exactly. Know, what yeah. ends would you go to? And luckily he's he's <laughs> – He's chaotic good, I guess yeah. you could say. Uh, but, you know, if it fell into the eve of the hands of evil, like what would they do? Who would mm -hmm. they bring back? And that's that's what the real struggle is. And I think one by one, every character is going to come in contact with this Eternity Forge. And you're going to see what made them who they are now mm -hmm. and then how they deal with the aftermath of that. And Peter Quill will be there every step of the way because he has a special connection with the Eternity Forge. Uh, that allows everyone else to see their past and, and see what could be theirs again. Right. I like to liken it to like uh, Aladdin's lamp. Right. See right? what you make out of it. You have wishes, but <laughs> do you really want them? Correct. Be careful what you ask for. Um, so I know for the Guardians, the dynamic, team dynamic, it's really important. Um, you know, some compare it to like a family, you know, like a really like a misfitty family. Um, but for in the recording sessions, you often record separately. How do you maintain the family dy like close dynamic? How do you riff off of each other? How do you uh, convey what fans think of the Guardians? We never record together. Right. <laughs> I barely ever see anybody else in the cast just in passing, enough to mm -hmm. shake a hand and say, hey, how you doing? What's <laughs> up? Uh, that being said, we do multiple sessions per episode. Mm -hmm. So everybody gets in and does their first rough pass. And Telltale is so great at then taking everything we give them on our first run, kind of splicing it together, taking a look at it, rewriting, figuring out how to get that familial feel. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, sharpening up the dialogue and then we come back in for another session at which point some of the lines that we put in before have stuck and then okay. we start to hear other people and then you start to have a real conversation with the takes that were kept from the first run then you start to kind of fill in the blanks right. and it feels the banter feels just more genuine mm -hmm. when you can kind of hear someone else uh it's a different process than a lot of video games that i've worked on and i far prefer this i mean when you work on cartoons a lot of times you're all in the same room right but yeah. video games rarely are you ever in the same room with someone else i don't know why the industry does that you usually go in for four hours you try and get as many lines done as you can you usually give three emotional three different <laughs> emotions of takes right. and just move on and hope that some of it uh, you know kind of merges together mm -hmm. and and works uh, cohesively uh but with telltale we get to come in a couple of times per episode. And I think it really, really starts to work. Once you hear them, I get to hear Nolan as Rocket. Right. I, st I start to, you know, riff off of him. He hears some of my lines. Nolan can riff off of that. Emily can do the same thing, Adam. And it's just, it's great, you know, across the board that everybody can kind of start to hear each other. And it really starts to give us that family feel. And then, so you've also, you know, been on TV in front of the camera. How does the process differ for video games? It's... Video game recording is some of the toughest stuff I've ever done because it's easy to lose track of context 
it's easy to lose track of any type of emotional arc because mm-hmm. you're just flying at such a rapid pace. And video game scripts are 600 plus pages, yeah. <laughs> whereas an episode of television is 48 pages. Mm-hmm. And it's just you're not aware of what everybody else is doing. You're not aware all the time of what your character knows or doesn't know. And it's just difficult. You really are just slinging pasta at a wall, seeing if anything <laughs> sticks, and then eating the one that yeah. <laughs> like stuck to the wall. It's just like, what are what am I doing here? Sometimes, <laughs> so it takes it's a learning curve. It's it's really really just a different beast altogether. Because when you're working on a television show, you know where the camera angles are, mm-hmm. you know where the other actors are, you've read the script usually sat down and did a table read with all the other actors we don't even do table reads for video games and it's just it's it makes it very tricky uh but the people that are fantastic at it Mm -hmm. are some of the most talented people you will find in the entertainment industry uh and it's you know across all genres and and mediums yeah Uh, because these people can deliver emotion (laughs) at the drop of a hat and that's what they need you to do and it's, yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. And you guys all have a really impressive resume and the things that you guys have done in the past for video games. Yeah. I've just been lucky. Uh, <laughs> this is, uh, you know, over time, I, 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 I love video games. Mm-hmm. I started on stage at Universal Studios in Florida, played video games. While I was doing that. I was on Broadway for a little while, yeah. played video games, and I was doing that. I was on television and movies. I take my <laughs> Xbox everywhere when I go to shoot a movie or a television show. Mm-hmm. And then I went to E3 one year and said, wait, I want to be in video games. How do you do that? And I just <laughs> walked up to the Telltale guys and was like, I'm a big fan of what you guys do. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, we saw Friday Night Lights. Would you like to work <laughs> together? I was like, yeah, I would. Let's do it. And then kind of started this relationship. That's and awesome. I've been you know, able to parlay it into playing some of the coolest characters in comic books mm-hmm. and to create some really awesome characters that are fresh and brand new and uh, it's all kind of culminating now, playing one of the most recognizable characters in the world at this point in Star-Lord. Yeah. And I know for the first episode, Tangled in Blue, which is available now, um, you know, Star-Lord faces a pretty fatal incident in the first episode. <laughs> um, how does that affect him as a leader? And how does he evolve throughout the whole um, story? You know, I it's just... It becomes a question of mortality to Peter and not mm-hmm. just in injuries that he sustains, but earlier in the episode coming face to face with his mother again, mm-hmm. who he knows in the back of his mind is gone forever. Right. But then he starts to go, but superheroes come back. Like, yeah, all the time. <laughs> I've got friends who've died before and come back. Like, dead isn't dead when it comes to right. comic books, you know, in that universe. And and that's probably what, what Peter is thinking. But again, then he's faced with the extinction of entire of an entire race mm-hmm. of alien beings he comes face to face with that and then through his friends eyes he sees their fight with mortality and and who has been taken from them and so that this whole this whole series for peter is is really him just measuring what is fate what is destiny what is mortality what can i control what should i control and those are big questions uh, there's a lot of big questions. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to think that Peter matures and evolves throughout this, but it's up to the player. Right. How much of it actually lands on them is how much of it will land on Peter. 
and how much of it they want him to brush off, he will brush off and mm -hmm. still be the, the cocksure pilot of the Milano <laughs> and leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy in a very quippy kind of way. Right. So mm -hmm. um, what we've done here that I hope people really enjoy is we have added uh, a weight to the Guardians. Mm -hmm. There is a serious tone to a lot of these episodes that you don't necessarily feel in the comic books and right. you can miss in the movies just because it's only an hour and a half to two hours mm -hmm. in the movie and there's only so much you can achieve but you know you'll be with us you know for the course of 10 hours to 12 hours or 15 however long you want to take with the episodes and and we feel like we can add that one extra layer uh add that one little bit of dimension in the time that we have with you and we really wanted to make sure that that these guardians felt like real people and not just cartoon character versions mm -hmm. of your favorite comic book characters. They maintain their fun, but a lot of the things that they're dealing with, you know, has dire consequences, you know, especially with Gamora. She's actually facing people who've really messed up her childhood face to face. Mm -hmm. And um, the Guardians really need each other. And it's, you know, it is fantastic that the fans get to dictate how this relationship plays out. Yeah, nobody just comes, just becomes a <laughs> swashbuckling intergalactic pirate. Right. Uh, things happen to them along the way. They have loss. There are consequences for their actions when they were younger. That's how they all ended up here. And we really explore how they all ended up here. Mm -hmm. And all those demons or those ghosts, if you want to say, start to come back and, and resurface in their life. The skeletons in their closet start to be unleashed. And they have to deal with the aftermath of that. They have to finally deal with it. I think a lot mm -hmm. of the characters in our story have never truly dealt with right. the losses in their past. or It's been like a lot of running away yeah, for a lot of characters. Exactly. Gamora's been on the run for Thanos and mm -hmm. her sister Nebula for a long, long time. Rocket hasn't really fully figured out how to deal with a the loss of his only love in his life mm -hmm. ages ago. And Peter, you come to find out, hasn't completely dealt with the loss of his mother. Right. And uh, you can see it in the way that he treats everybody, uh, especially Yondu, who, who does play <laughs> a part in our story. And you kind of see why Peter and him have such a... <sighs> oil and water relationship <laughs> right. and what exactly drives that so it's we hope that players come away from this having an overall much deeper understanding of the guardians than they may have gotten anywhere else do you have a favorite moment in in the recording studio or even within the game that you can share with us that's not spoilery <laughs> that's not spoilery <laughs> uh you know i just the coolest thing about the game and it's it's so odd but is getting to do all of these different levels and versions of peter mm -hmm. and there's a lot of takes that'll never make it into the game of uh of uh immature little boy <laughs> peter like when his ship gets blown up he throws a fit or right. <laughs> when he gets in danger he screams at a very high pitch yeah. and we do all these kind of alternate versions of peter <laughs> just to see if it will land and mm -hmm. if a player would like to play that kind of star lord this scaredy cat kind of <laughs> not as not as uh like still like a beginner level yeah yeah and and a lot of it doesn't make it into the game but i love being able to mm -hmm. play that heightened version of you know, rookie Star-Lord who still doesn't, you know, even after all they've been through together is like, ah, 
gosh, oh God, oh God, what's <laughs> happening? Oh God. And it's like that kind of Peter, like just at least having that moment in the booth, mm-hmm. it'll never make the game, but it kind of loosens me up and allows me to play all the heavier stuff and weightier right. stuff. And then, you know, it's just, it never gets old hearing Nolan's voice as Rocket right. or <laughs> or Groot come in and, and all of the I am Groots that we have, we have just a massive bank of them mm-hmm. and hearing the emotion in them and then being able to play off that. So it's, it's pretty cool. And I've, you know, I'm working with very talented actors. So right. being yeah. able to mm-hmm. at least hear their voices and, it's it's cool. Um, so we know that this is currently available. We'll have a couple more episodes in the future. Can you share any other projects that you're working on right now? Uh, I mean, uh, am I who am I allowed to what projects am I allowed to talk about? Anything and everything? Well, I mean, I saw things in your ingest like I saw injustice too. Yes, yeah. I didn't know if I was allowed to talk about DC. <laughs> well, uh, you're allowed to talk about what you're working on. Yeah, I'm. I've, uh, injustice two is coming out. Uh, there's another huge video game announcement mm-hmm. uh, that I will be a part of uh, come E3. Awesome. Um, it's a pretty massive franchise. I can't wait for that. Uh, and then I'm currently shooting a, a little movie called Brampton's Own. Uh, it's really, really cool with uh, Rose McIver from oh, iZombie. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to uh, to kind of be able to do this mm-hmm. job which fulfills so many of my superhero dreams right. as, as a big comic book fan and still be able to kind of mm-hmm. do my day job too which is you know yeah. film and television and it's it's like having your cake and eating it too and <laughs> it's awesome so that's kind of good uh, that you bank out like six hours at a time in the, rec- in the recording booth <laughs> yeah we do we do you know four hour sessions mm-hmm. and and we do as many of them as we have to do to get it right but it's it's just such a different work week from shooting a television show, which is 70 plus hours right. every week. So so where yeah. can fans find you on social media? I'm at Scott Porter on Twitter. I am at Skittish Kid, S-K-I-T-T-I-S-H Kid on Instagram. And if you follow me, you'll see some nerdy stuff and you'll see an incredibly cute two-year-old boy. <laughs> uh, and then coming soon, you'll start seeing a baby girl. We have a girl oh, due in August. Congrats. So uh, yeah, plenty of melt your heart cuteness. <laughs> and nerdy nerdy wonderful stuff well awesome thank you so much (laughs) yeah thank you and now welcome to this week in marvel our very special guest hello everybody and welcome to a special corner of this week in marvel it's uh we're calling it our science corner we're taking things a little scientific this week uh getting a little getting a little smarter building your intelligence as you listen to this podcast i've got miles Treyer with me miles how you doing welcome to the show thank you very much for having me now miles before we get into the project uh you are working on that brings you on to our show can you give our viewers or not our viewers our listeners a little background on who you are and what you do sure so i'm a geoscientist and data scientist at stanford university i analyze planetary surface evolution so the fancy way of saying why do planets look the way they do (laughs) so i use physics and chemistry and a lot of computer models and big data to sort of figure out what's going on. What's what's your favorite uh, explanation of a planet's appearance that you've come up with? Oh, man. That's a really good question. I mean, I think 
I, my favorite ones are the ones that are still kind of mysterious. Sure. Um, like, there, there are a bunch of, of moons around Jupiter and Saturn, but I think the ones around Jupiter are pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And the surface, they have a lot of different, like, weird cracks and shapes and things that we're just not really used to seeing. Yeah. And the idea is that they look the way they do because Jupiter is huge. It has so much gravity that it basically stretches the moon out, sort of like squeezing a tennis ball. Nice. <laughs> and so like you just keep doing that over and over and over again and you get some pretty weird shape. So That's I kind of like that one. That sounds awesome. So yeah. the reason I'm having you on the show today is to talk about a project you did called The Carbon Footprint of Superheroes. Can you uh, provide a little origin of this project and what exactly it is? Sure. So the origin was a camping trip. Uh, oh, and I was okay. out with some friends of mine. Yeah, in a weird, a weird place a little, to start. A little bit of weird place was... to start. I'm curious to see how this ties around. <laughs> so we're sitting around a, a campfire, and we're up in the, the Sierra Nevada mountains here in California. And we're, you know, we're all sort of comic book nerds, and we're all big fans of, of Marvel and DC and the sort of comic book universes. And we're talking about, like, your favorite character. Who is your favorite character? And we're going around the campfire and everyone's sort of talking about it. And, and you know, good natured, like, oh, that's a terrible character. You should <laughs> like so-and-so. Uh, and so everyone's going back and forth. And I happen to mention, and I hate to be doing this on a Marvel podcast, but I said that my favorite character was Batman. Oh, man. And after we're going around the, the campfire for a little bit, uh, my very, very dear friend, whose nickname is Hot Tub, of all things, uh, he turns to me and goes, Miles, you're such a hypocrite. And really? I, I, was su- I was surprised. And yeah. I was like, where did that come from? And he said, you're, you're you know, an environmentalist. You work, on, uh, you work on this podcast, Generation Anthropocene, where you talk about all the different ways humans are changing the planet. You want to make sure that everything's going well. You study Earth science and big data. Batman has got to be terrible for the planet. <laughs> and rather than laugh, I thought, I'll bet I could calculate that. Huh. And so it sort of started me down this path of, of trying to figure out what each you know superhero, what their carbon footprint would be if they existed in the real world. And it began with a sort of good-natured debate uh, between Batman and Iron Man, because mm-hmm. they're, you know, they share a lot of similarities. Sure. And so there was sort of a, a bet, who's actually better for the planet? Yeah, and so that was, that began the project. That's awesome. So, <laughs> talk to me about some of the characters you included in the project, specifically some of the Marvel characters, uh, and, and what you discovered as you were researching them. So the the characters that I went after were characters that had carbon footprints that I could calculate. So that's an important sort of caveat. I, I started looking at some of the X Men, mm-hmm. and I realized that. Their, their powers don't come from, a, you know, fossil fuels. They don't come from eating food, which has its own carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of gods. And so that was very difficult to calculate a carbon footprint for. So I needed characters who had powers that could conceivably exist in the real world. Right. Uh, and then those powers also had to have a carbon footprint associated with them. So the ones that I looked at in Marvel were Iron Man, Spider-Man, Jessica Jones and Firebird, huh. and I wanted to I wanted to look at them because each of those characters I thought was a very nice reflection, a, a very exaggerated reflection of us, you know, us mere mortals. Cool. 
So what did you find out as you uh, as you embarked on your research? What, what kind of cool factoids did you pull out? I think the most surprising thing that I discovered was how carbon-intensive computing power is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a real surprise to me. When I started to dig into to Iron Man, and specifically, you know, I was diving into all of the AI, Jarvis as portrayed in the Marvel movies, and just how much computing power that would require. Right. Uh, and, and to learn the, you know, the carbon footprint of computing power comes from energy use, and that energy comes from some, you know, source. Oftentimes it's a fossil fuel, burning coal or oil or, or natural gas. And so that turned out to be way more expensive than I thought it was going to be. And then on the flip side, the other thing that I thought was really surprising was that a lot of the technologies and the materials, you know, things like, you know, a, a, a nitinol, titanium nitinol armor that Iron Man might be wearing or carbon-carbon composite boots to, you know, shield his, his feet from the rocket blast and right. stuff like that. Actually, not bad when considered with all of the other sort of powers. <laughs> now, how did I, Jessica Jones, we, you know, I mean, she's got super strength, but I can't imagine, I, I can't imagine how that plays into a carbon footprint. Where did she, why did she end up on the list, and what did you find out about her? So Jessica Jones was, uh, <laughs> I chose Jessica Jones in large part because of her vices okay. more than her superpowers. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, you know, in, in Alias and on the TV show, you know, she's a heavy drinker, mm-hmm. uh, and she smokes a lot, and more than anything, she lives in New York, and right. New York ends up being sort of an interesting uh, focal point of carbon footprints because, by and large, and this is on a per capita basis, so you take the whole city, calculate the entire carbon footprint of the city, and divide by the number of people. Uh-huh. On a per capita basis, New York is pretty good. Big cities are pretty good. Right. But on an individual basis, the numbers are still pretty big. And so I wanted to look at Jessica Jones because she lives in a carbon intensive city, a big city, and because drinking and smoking have carbon footprints yeah. that we don't really think about that much. <laughs> Interesting. And then you had Firebird, who you really, that's thats kind of a deep cut there. Why did you pick yes. Firebird? So Firebird, I, I, I needed a character that uh, that was fire-based. Right. You know, I needed I needed a character that had that sort of background. Right. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people go, Human Torch. Human Torch, yes. where is he? No, oh. no, not going to do Human Torch. Uh, so, I, and one of the reasons that I wanted to use Firebird is because, again, if you do a really deep cut uh, in the comics, it talks about Firebird being able to manipulate the molecular structure of things to create fire. And manipulating the molecular structure of things is basically a loose definition of combustion, of right. just lighting stuff on fire. That's all it is. It's a molecular manipulation. Yeah. And so I wanted to look at Firebird because specifically she's a superheroine who lives in the, in the Southwest. Right, right. She, right. you know, she, exactly, it's a very interesting environment down there. And there's a lot going on in the Southwest with relation to energy sources, right? It's very sunny all the time, so you get a lot of solar power down there. There's also, there's not a lot of uh, fracking and natural gas, but there is some. And so I wanted to think about her carbon footprint. What if she's burning natural gas? 
What if she's burning coal dust? What if she's burning these other sort of things that are conceivably and realistically in our air? Right. What would her carbon footprint be? So that was why Firebird showed up. So neat, man. Well, as we kind of wrap things up here, where can people go if they want to learn more about your project and more about your work? Uh, you can see the project on my website. It's my name, milestrayer.com. That's M-I-L-E-S-T-R-A-E-R.com. Or if you just Google carbon footprints of superheroes, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one who did that. Uh, <laughs> any and, any uh, future plans for more? Uh, so there are a couple of characters that I'm really interested in, but they're not superheroes. They're super villains. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm, I started looking into some of the supervillains already. Nice. Time will tell if I'm able to actually do it. This project took me two years on and off to make, so I don't know how quickly I'll be able to get the villains out there. But if there's a big demand for it, I'll definitely do it. Well, I love it, man. It's good stuff. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you so much. We have returned, and just a reminder, Loot Crate loot brings crate. you loot crate. Brings you this episode. You go to lootcrate.com slash marvelpod and use the code marvelpod to get yourself a little bit of discount. A little bit of loot crate. Loot, loot crate. The Marvel loot Gear and Goods crate, crate coming your way. Uh, as we mentioned last week, you'll get the Spider-Man eye mask. So when you're sleeping oh, on an cool. aeroplane or in an your aeroplane. house, an aeroplane, <laughs> you can put on the Spider-Man eye mask and people are like, hey, is that Spider-Man? That's Spider-Man? Like, oh my God, Spider-Man's on my flight. Yeah. And you'd be like, hey guys, thwip. This, Nick is thwipping like a madman right now. Yeah, whatever that weird... I think he has sh- a crazy tick. Rustling sound oh, you probably God. hear Sorry you guys show. are hearing that. Yeah, that was yeah, Nick geez. freaking out. Freaking out. It's great. All right, Nick. Uh, but yeah, get yourself some Loot Crate and tell them we sent you. All right, we got questions and comments from you guys. As always, you can send us your questions and comments using the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel or via email at twimpodcast at marvel.com. Yeah. First up is Andy Bates. He says, hey, Agent M and Ben Morris, I'm tweeting from the past, currently <laughs> listening to every twim in order Oh, at episode 54 now. Oh, that was a classic. You yeah. remember episode 54? No. Yeah, me neither. Uh, he says, at this rate, I should be caught up by January 2018. Are you excited <laughs> about Thor Ragnarok? Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what a, what first, a left turn there. <laughs> first, you're not the... Andy, you're not the first to start at the beginning, yep. which... We love. I, I applaud... And I am apologizing when you get yeah. to this, Andy, eventually, when you're roundabouts, you know, probably in, in December when you get to this episode, yeah, if you're sure. trying to get current. Um, I am sorry. Yeah. Those, we've, we've gotten better. We, we think. have. We've, we've definitely gotten better. The technology that we're using has hopefully gotten better. Um, we're a little bit smarter about things, and I think our current format is better. So um, thank you for going through the arduous task of listening to every episode. You are a uh, super fan. Yeah, but we put them all up there. Yeah. So there you go. if you ever want to go back and listen to them, please, to there enjoy. There they are. Uh, and I, are we excited about Thor Ragnarok? You yeah, best you believe You better it. believe it, man. Thor Ragnarok looks Ragnarific. Yes, it does. I think there was a release about D23 that mentioned there's going to be some Thor Ragnarok I believe you are stuff, correct. Uh, happening there. I'm going to be at D23. Man. I'm going to share all that stuff with y'all. You are everywhere. I know. It's a lot of travel. I'm <laughs> gone for like two weeks in July. Uh, it's rough. Um, but we're, yeah, it's Thor Ragnarok is great. Um, I think I 
was able to say it, and I I was on set during filming. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was I can't I don't want I can't say anything more. Can't than say that, anything, but cut it out. Great, just cut it out. Yeah, my name is Dave Coulier. Yep, and Dave I support Coulier this message from the eighties. Yes, so yes, very nice. very very excited. Chadwick, our friend, says, I'm so behind, but I'm finally listening to the latest this week in Marvel. You're not as behind as uh, Andy. Andy. Uh, <laughs> Chadwick says, Case of the Mondays, listen to the latest this week in Marvel podcast to make it better. Thank uh, you, Chadwick. I love it. I love it. Appreciate it. Heywood, HW View, my pick for 517 is Secret Empire number two. Things are getting bleak and dark, but hope comes in a most unexpected way. And then Haywood's pick for 524 is All New Guardians of the Galaxy issue number two. Jerry Duggan has the right mix of what it takes, what makes it fun, and what are the elders doing? Yeah, what are the elders doing? What are the elders up to? Say what? What elders have we gotten to see so far in All New Guardians of the Galaxy? We've gotten to see Collector and Grandmaster, ones Uh, we usually see. I think so, yeah. I want to see the runner. So. I want to see the gardener. So. Hello. So, when it was first announced that Jerry and. Aaron, we're doing the book. Mm-hmm. I tweeted to Jerry, and I was like, "Look, Jerry, Jerry, you gotta put the gardener and the runner. Those are the two in I the want. Book. Yeah, uh, same page, man. Yeah, hundred wow. percent. And I th- and and I think he's mentioned the gardener. Like, you know who else I wouldn't mind like, seeing? Do you know the contemplator? No. Okay, so he's this like bald Buddha-looking dude. Sure, he's one of the elders of the universe, and just like they all have their hobbies of collecting or playing games or gardening or running, he just thinks about stuff. Wow, that's his whole deal. He's the <laughs> contemplator. He's awesome. Look him up. All right, Jim Radloff says little girls like Nebula are in danger across the galaxy, and Gamora is friend to all children. Do you, do you get that reference? Uh, I do not. Gamora. It's a reference. Yeah. Gamera is friend to children. Gamera is the giant kaiju turtle. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, Jim, you that get, was just for you. Jim, you get ten billion twin points for yeah. that one because that's mm-hmm. a great pun. Yep. I enjoyed that thoroughly. Joshua Cooper says, "Why in the world is Hope not in more things? Mm. Have we seen her since X Force? Because I ho- I like this Hope a lot. I I think that's yeah. Hope is Hope's a character we put so much equity into when she was first introduced. She was great." And then she was in X Force. She had a great run there, but she's kind of fallen off. And I'm glad she was brought into Jean Grey. She had a great appearance there. I hope Dennis Hopeless continues to use her. Fun fact, actually, uh, back when Avengers Arena was wrapping up and becoming Avengers Underground, I think so. Undercover. Undercover. Avengers Undercover. Uh, they were looking for characters to add to the book. And Bill Roseman asked me who's a cool teen character we could add to the book. And Dennis Hopeless wrote this, which is why it brings it all full circle. And I suggested Hope Summers. And I think they requested it at the time she was being used in X Force, so they couldn't right. use her. Yeah. But uh, that was I. I I paired Dennis Hopeless and Hope Summers, and years later the seed bore fruit. Yeah, I Hope think. Summers is great. Character. Really great. One of my favorites from the last like yeah, yeah, yeah. 10, 15 years. Um, where are we? Oh, Joshua Cooper says, I really like brand new Hulk Gen. It's an interesting blend of She-Hulk and Hulk Bruce. Yeah, He-Hulk. Yeah, She-Hulk and He-Hulk. Yeah, it, and I think it's it's that and so much more. Mm-hmm. Really, really good stuff there. Yeah. Uh, Joshua says, I will always ship Kitty and Colossus fastball specials. They are the OTP. Do you What's know that? what OTP? One true pair. Right? One true pair. You're, you're young. Oh, you you know it. what that means, Nick. Yep, yep. Can't I'm confirm. learning learning so much. Yes. Uh, yeah, there is a, there's a great line in X-Men Gold yep. about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like, 
she's like fastball me or something like that. Like there was a there was a vague sexual connotation to it, and it was addressed in the. Book I don't know how vague it was. No, yeah, right. <laughs> it was great. It was great. There was bone zone ramifications. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Captain Rogers forty four really enjoying Quake's return to leading in Secret Warriors number one. Wants to hear Boss Karnak around some more. Absolutely. Lots of fun there. Hawkeye number five was amazing as always. Kelly Thompson, Michael Walsh, Jody Belair. Happy to see Lucky back. Keep it coming, guys. We didn't even mention Lucky when oh, we were yeah. talking about Hawkeye this yeah. week. Lucky is in the book, and he is fantastic. He's woofing. Yep, he's all over the place. Uh, to Nick Spencer, Secret Empire number two was unbelievable. I don't know whether to be excited or terrified for the next issue. Why not both? Yeah. Go for both. Uh, and like me on Marvel uh, on Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, <laughs> good, which you can throwback. ride at <laughs> yeah. uh, Disney California Adventure Park, nice. and you can see in Thwip the big Marvel show that yeah. I was both terrified and excited. So good, you are the best in the business. Um, and then asking a question to Marvel Contest of Champions: Any chance we'll ever see Sam Wilson Captain America in game? That is a good question. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm racking my brain for the release schedule of Contest of Champions because they give it to us way in advance. Um, I don't want to say whether he shows up or not, but I don't know off the top <laughs> of my head. I don't know, but there's yeah. a new storyline. It's got Punisher 2099. It's got yep. Carnage. Yep. Carnage it's, debuted this week. Yeah, it's got... Uh, Looks great. Finally a chance to get Civil Warrior uh-huh. um, and all the stuff. There's some really good Spider-Man stuff coming over the next month or so to uh, Contest of Champions. Oh, nice. So good villains and uh, obviously you mentioned Punisher 2099 so good stuff coming to the contest dope uh, RP67 says I must admit Werewolf by Night is amazing <laughs> so far his name is Jack Russell ha so does the, are we to take it to mean that RP67 is reading the original Werewolf by Night and just randomly telling us about I it I like that Let's say I want it. more of that hope that's the case uh, Buff Python 67 bring it bring let's, it let's Great hear name. more uh, Simon Williams says, listening to episode 291 during the Venom review, for a second, it sounds like Agent M wants to go to the Bone Zone with his book. For a second? <laughs> um, for quite some time. Uh, hi, this is Agent M here. Agent. <laughs> Confirming. Yes. I would Bone Zone the hell out of that comic were yeah. it an attractive to me man or woman. Yeah, there you go. That's that. That's that. Uh, Twim of the Week for May 24th, Black Panther number 14. Uh, Moon Girl number 19 was adorable, Simon says. Still, I wonder where Lunella Simon got the... Ma- says, oh, no. you. Uh, still, I wonder where <laughs> Lunella got the materials to make a spaceship and spacesuit. That's a great question. You know what? Part of what I love about Moon Girl is, like, that suspension of disbelief about, mm-hmm. like, the fact that she and Devil are walking down the street in Yancey Street and, like, everybody's waving and, like... There's a level of disbelief that I carry into that book. The, it's more fantastical than than some of the others because I think it, it's like it, it feels like wonderful and yeah, special. Absolutely, and I love that about that book. There's a couple in here. Simon mentions a uh, little art imitating life in our books and some stuff that happened in Secret Empire. Things, uh, hey, Nick Spencer pulls from what he's seeing. Sure. Pulls what he, he knows. Absolutely. Uh, after reading Black Panther number 14, I would love to see a comic about the adventures of all the previous Black Panthers. Have we ever gotten that in, in any of the other runs? In, um, you know, like, the, like, looks at the older Black Panthers? Well, there was that series, uh, Captain America Black Panther Flags with Their Fathers, uh-huh. that was a fully dedicated to the, uh, the I think, to T'Challa's dad, T'Chaka. 
um, that he was the star. And as far as that, it feels like something that should have been an element of like Priest's Run or even yeah. Hudlin's Run, but I don't think they ever uh, yeah. went there. I'm 100% with, with Simon on this one. That would be <clears throat> really cool. Uh, Tomb of the Week for May 31st for Simon. It is Sam Wilson number 22. And he says, reading Generation X number 2, I'm starting to feel about Quentin Choir the way Agent M feels about Gambit and Ben feels about Crystal. Oh, there we go. You're Welcome to the there. club. You're getting there. Yep. Uh, and Sa- uh, Simon asks, can the next issue of Generation X just be the team repeatedly kicking Quentin Choir in the junk? He has earned it. Hmm. Sure. I'd, sure. Let's I'd enjoy that too. Talk to Christina Strain. Yeah. Um, which I'm very excited. So... I've talked about it on Twitter and obviously internally here. Uh, my wife and I are adopting a kid mm-hmm. or we're in the process of the whole adoption thing and going through all that uh, very far from actually getting a kid. But Christina, mm. Christina Strange, says she is like weeks away from custody. Oh, wow. And she's doing the adoption process Good now. Good for her. Yeah, I actually, I should That's email fantastic. her and, and get some advice. Yeah, um, for sure. It's very cool. Uh, All right, and then last one from Simon. He says, Hulk number six was a good issue. I want to see what happens now that it looks like Jen may be coming back to superhero work. Yeah, we're all on pins and needles waiting that. Totally. All right, we got Dos Imelos in here. Yes, as they say in... Nowhere. Literally nowhere. Nowhere. Uh, So Evan Kingston uh, sends me an email. He says, uh, the subject is Ben's breath. Ben's breath. He says, hey, guys, I'm writing today because lately the podcast has been causing me a lot of anxiety. Every time it is Ryan's turn to cover a comic, my pulse starts to race and sweat collects on my brow. Has a hand ninja snuck up behind Ben with a garrote wire? Was intern Nick actually a Skrull assassin who is now strangling Ben? Did Crystal finally show up to silence Ben's criticism by choking the air from his lungs? But then Ben talks again, and I'm relieved, but left wondering if he'd really held his breath that whole time. I guess I just got so used to Ben's heavy breathing that now that it's gone, I assume the worst. Can you maybe have Christine edit back <laughs> in post-production? Just kidding, guys. You do great work, and I look forward to the podcast every week. Keep it up. Excelsior, Evan. Evan, thank you for your concern. Uh, I am well. Yep. I am not holding my breath. I am just backing off from the microphone a little bit and yeah. breathing as I will. Yes. So but I fun. am a scroll assassin. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, uh, so that's just a thing. Just watch yeah. out for that. Uh, and here we go. Last one is from Victor Rocco. It says, I've been thinking about how Marvel's been canceling a bunch of comic series. I've also been thinking that it may that it would help if Marvel ran more ads on, for books on Hulu or ABC. I'm not complaining, just looking out for you guys. Uh, our boy Victor Rocco, uh, always thanks for the concern. And I think, yep. you know, there is there is a push to do more advertising and marketing in different ways. We Absolutely. announced that before Secret Empire launched. Yep. Uh, so those things could happen. But... You know, and we've talked about this before as well. The the life cycles of books is always not something. the same as it used to be. But it's it's also at the same time like this kind of always happened. Books come, books go. Mm-hmm. Thing you know, like sure. what works, what doesn't. And we and we get surprised by books that you know do really well and go on for a long time, and yeah. some books don't, and some just end. Um, naturally, some are only six issues, even though you know, like you you may think they were meant for longer, but the the story that was originally pushed was what it was and we yep. get that there's all those ways um at any time a book is you know quote unquote canceled there's always going to be other stuff to fill its place Absolutely. and there are going to be cool places for those creators to tell stories well said yeah that's it Woo! we're doing it all right i'm gonna try and remember to do a little we'll do a segment for me three yes next please. week for you okay um which should be fun but uh, other than that i'll see uh, i'll you guys, I'll be back in a week and change. I'll be back next week with uh, somebody. Sure. Mm-hmm. Great. This is Marvel. You're somebody. Somebody.